Hello, and welcome to episode 203 of the Gaming Fix podcast on December 17th, 2021. I'm your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. your partner's favorite H. John Benjamin role. I'm joined today by Pat. Um, I think maybe... Oh... <laughs> My favorite H. Oh, John no. Benjamin role is is his guest spots on Blowback, I think. Uh, unfamiliar. Yeah. I don't Blowback is a podcast about the memory mm. holding of the Iraq war. Mm. And okay. H. John Benjamin does some skits for it, and it's uh very good. Okay. <laughs> uh it is not a funny podcast. It is a very serious podcast that is um, one people should listen to because it's really informative and interesting. But uh, the H. John Benjamin skits in it are very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, Allison. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the Wet Hot American Summer, which is now a franchise, which is great. Uh, but in it, he plays... Uh, his character has been expanded upon, but in the original movie, he voices a can of vegetables, and he is very good at yep. it. So, yep, it is a very charismatic can of vegetables. Yes, <laughs> that was going to be my answer too. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, I just really love uh, that movie. So, yep. Yeah. And uh, Alex, I haven't really seen him in much outside of. Archer and Bob's Burgers, but I do know that he was in The Adventures of Puss in Boots, so I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay. So, okay, what was he in Puss in Boots? Baltasar. Duh. I, I, <laughs> I don't know that story well enough to know who that character is. It's, it's from yeah, the TV I, show. He's the, another... Puss in Boots TV show? Yeah. He's in... From the Shrek expanded universe, the Wait, does Antonio Banderas the play Puss in Boots in the in the, uh, the TV show? I don't believe I don't so. Know. Okay, it's criminal. I would believe it if he did, but that would be very funny. No, it 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 appears he is played by Eric Bauza. Okay, that's well. The reason I ask is because then why isn't there a fucking? You know what? Maybe there probably is. I was gonna say why isn't there a Shrek show? But there probably is. <laughs> And I just don't know about it. I don't think so. It's just wild to me that Puss in Boots would get a TV show and not Shrek. I mean, that's that's why Puss in Boots gets a TV show is because they're like, hey, we can't do a Shrek TV show. We've got to like save MC, that. We've yeah, right. like got to hold that back. Yeah, yeah. That, they won't do a Spider-Man show. On, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. But they yeah. won't do a, a, a show about, I don't know, Doctor Strange on Disney yeah. Plus because he's too yeah, big. They get, yeah, you got get a hold. So you... They throw the Shrek, they throw the yeah scraps to Hawkeye and say oh, yeah exactly exactly Puss in Boots is the Hawkeye of the SCU. <laughs> yep, <God. laughs> that was a surprisingly uh, uncontroversial statement. Uh, I think it's so, I think it's fair. I, I it's mean, not you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, well I think perhaps Antonio Banderas is less problematic than Jeremy Renner. Probably. Antonio Banderas it, it, should have an app. I was going to 
say that. I was like, does Antonio Banderas have an app though? Antonio um, Banderas app. Well, I mean, Jeremy Renner doesn't either anymore. So no, it's it's funny Antonio how much that app Banderas. is going to follow Jeremy Renner. J- Jeremy Renner. For much longer than the app was in existence, because my my sibling and I were talking about it. We're like, "Hey, watching Hawkeye," and all I can think about is that Jeremy Renner app. He's Antonio Banderas is sixty-one. Yeah, that's younger than I would have thought. Actually, I mean, he's been been in a lot of movies. Yeah, he's he's been love a good Antonio Banderas flick. He's been around for quite a while. We're going to be, like, old and in, like, nursing homes, and we're going to be that meme, like, I remember when Jeremy Renner had an app. (laughs) Like, sure, Grandma, sure, Grandpa. Oh, I thought you were going to say that, like, we're going to be in a nursing home, and Antonio Banderas will still be around and still be hot, like, which I could still also believe. No, he'll just be an NFT. Oh God! Uh, uh, like he will transfer his consciousness. No, Antonio. That's Johnny Depp. That's Johnny Depp. There's, there's the a movie, movie about that. About that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, what do you call it if it's like pre-biographical? Just a pre-biographical you film. You know what's very funny? Proto. I was Proto-biographical. Prepared. I literally for I don't know why I spent time thinking about this. I don't normally do this. But for some reason, I had a whole bit planned out for a way I thought a conversation in a group chat was going to go where I was going to (laughs) explain the documentary Transcendence and talk about how it was like a true story and it just hadn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So it's very funny that that (laughs) man just break his way into this podcast. I love it. Because I told someone, I'm never going to die. And then they didn't question me on it. I was prepared for them to question me on it. And I was going to go down my transcendence <laughs> rabbit hole. They just accepted it as fact. Yes. So like, yeah, they okay. Just, I spent like five minutes thinking about how I was going to frame it around the movie transcendence. <laughs> and then they never challenged me on it. And Pat's just like, yeah. We're just like, everybody's just like, yeah, Pat's never going to die. We accept this. One one time I convinced a friend in high school that the Tenacious D movie was actually started filming when Jack Black was a child and the young Jack Black from the beginning of the movie was actually (laughs) Jack Black. Oh, I thought you were going to say that it was based on a true story. And like, well, yeah, no, that's what I said. It was like, it's actually based on like how they started the band. It's like, oh my God, it's Jack Black's life story. And uh, I don't know why they believed me, Uh, but they did make another tenacious D movie. I, yeah, Kyle uh, you know, is, yeah, speaking of people who are older than you think, Kyle Gass in one uh, all-time Christmas classic, Elf. Weirdly, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> he's actually the uh, same age as Antonio Banderas. Yeah, sixty-one. That's oh, how old is Jack Black? Jack uh, around Black that age. is. Uh, let 52. me tell you, fifty-two. Yeah. Fifty-two. Oh wow, I thought he was older than that. Jack Black is his TikTok is just I love him I love it he is very spry for such a large man like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah um, he also looks these days uh, like a lunatic with his his crazy with his giant beard beard. hey as someone with a big beard also I respect it I'm not being critical but man Mm -hmm. Sometimes I I see him on TikTok and I'm just like, 
you know, you're just living life, man. He's I living his him. life to the yeah, exactly. It's like you got to respect somebody living life to the fullest in the totally, way that he yeah. is. No, I think well, he and I have very similar opinions on personal appearance, which is mm-hmm. look like the weirdo you want to. And so mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's well, speaking of looking like weirdos. Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is full of weirdos, I think. Oh my god. That I don't know, Allison, much. what do you think? I mean, I think? guess, sort yeah. of, considering. They're just, you know, there's a very, uh, you know, it's, it's a bunch of weirdos looking like the weirdos they want to look like, right? I mean, yeah. Yes. Like Shovel Knight is just like a guy with a shovel. shovel Knight, you got like yeah. Plague Knight. Yeah, Plague Knight, like a, I have seen Plague Knight. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've, uh, I, I was, uh, I knew that Shovel Knight uh, Pocket Dungeon was coming out, but it kind of surprised me that release date. So I, I just kind of suddenly saw, oh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is is out now. And so I've uh, picked it up and I've been playing it. Uh, it's it's interesting because it's... Um, so it's it's just a, it's a different take on the Shovel Knight franchise, I guess it's now, where it's instead of being a... Uh, Puzzle, or sorry, instead of being a platformer, um, it's 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 a puzzle game where you are um, kind of it's like a puzzler, but also a roguelite uh, where you're uh, you can get items that improve your puzzling. So y- you go through these like little puzzle screens with falling creatures. And you have to navigate them and then also defeat enemies to get through them and then also get money that you can use to buy items. And then it just kind of keeps going. Uh, I am not good at it, so I am not very far in the game because I decided to go through the, um, like, very much the roguelite uh, st- uh mode because you can choose if you if you want to have it be more of that or if you want it to be more of a um you know being able to restart pretty easier easier than that mm-hmm. uh but uh but it's 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 very it's it's very interesting cuz it's it's taking you know characters and enemies that you know from or at least I know from the other existing uh, Shovel Knight games, but then also um, com- putting it into a puzzle element. So, like, for example, um, the enemy types that you see are pretty common enemies from the Shovel Knight games. So uh, you have to kind of navigate around them like you might, you know, knowing how, that they, how they move. Like, for example, they're the... Uh, Knights that are golden and have the shield, and once you attack them, they put their shield up. So you have to kind of navigate around them. Um, so there, there's so knowing the enemy types from playing Shovel Knight, it's uh, is definitely beneficial, but it's it's also just not something you need to do. Uh, it it's also interesting too because it, it as a mechanic, uh, it. It does uh, a thing where, <laughs> not unlike uh, Super Hot, where basically if you move, then that moves things faster. Although um, 
enemies do move, you know, if if you're st- um, completely still. So it is kind of like like a hybrid where things are always moving, but you can kind of speed it up or f- slow it down based off of doing your own actions. Uh, hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's just it's an interesting game because it's it's just so completely different from the rest of the other things that I've played in in the Shovel Knight franchise but it's it's really i think does a good job in merging you know my knowledge from the shovel knight franchise to a new type of game i i just need to uh as you say get good (laughs) so (laughs) as the as the kids say as the kids say get good um yeah no i but i've been really enjoying it and it's just been kind of interesting to think about how how this you know little platform indie platformer has become its own uh kind of franchise which has been kind of cool because i i've been a fan of of shovel knight for quite a while and i i i think uh yacht club games does a really good job so it's 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 nice to see that they've been you know, that they're willing to do interesting things with uh shovel knight as an ip so i'll be interested to see if they do anything else with it and or you know what they do next uh so I'm looking at a video uh, of the game here, and it looks like you can play as different characters, like different knights from the game. Yeah. So far, have I've only you gotten to experience Knight. that? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I've been playing adventure mode, and like I said, I'm not good, so I, <laughs> I haven't unlocked that yet. But it's you'll get there. I, I will. Yeah. It's 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 also I think one of those games though where it really. Uh, when you lose it, it does feel like it is genuinely your fault. So it is, it does feel like it's there, you know, there's nothing that feels cheap about it. Like the times that I lose pretty early on are okay. I got a little greedy and I attacked when I should have been more defensive. Um, so it's, it's, but I think it, it, it works, it, it's, it works really well. And it's, uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm just, Good time to be a, a Shovel Knight fan, I guess. <laughs> I think every all times are good times to be Shovel Knight fans because they just put out content like new expansion for Shovel Knight constantly. Yeah, and I know oh, they really they yeah. cool developer they yeah, finished like the like okay we did all of the Shovel Knight DLC now we're going to like make other stuff but then they just put out another Shovel Knight game like. <laughs> Yeah. I really hope at some point a, cl- a series clicks for me and I end up liking it because there's just so much you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. also with like Treasure Trove, like having bought it like pretty early on, it's like, oh, it just you just keep getting yeah. new stuff. It's like, really cool that they continue to give the add value to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I think that it's 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 really great. And also, I personally really love um, the other uh uh campaigns in it the other um platforming ones too uh like specter of torment the the move uh, the movement is just i i love that game a lot yeah i actually never finished i actually never finished king of cards but it's like that also added some new elements uh so it's just uh, i need to also get good at plague of shadows because that 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 it has some interesting movement as well but it's it, i i think those are just those are just really um, cozy for me. So I'm just like, I'm just 
I don't know. It, it's it's nice to do to see and um Yacht Club has just generally been a, a cool developer. I know that they've uh when these games have been played at GDQ, they've they've shown up a little bit or they've talked on to things. So it's, I met it's, some of them at uh PAX pre COVID uh in twenty nineteen and they were really cool. Oh, I'm so jealous. And they were I, they were like I, I they were asking me if I had played Shovel Knight, and I was like, honestly, I've never been able to click with it, but it's not you guys' fault. It seems like really awesome, and I have a lot of friends that love it. And um, and and they were like, one of these days, something we release will get you. And I was like, I hope so, because it's all <laughs> awesome stuff, and I would really like to be super. Yeah, I, I've I've. Uh, That's they why just... their next game is an open world space sim. <laughs> yeah, they just... well, I would do it. They just seem they. I I've been I've been a fan for quite a long time, so I'm I'm just I think that's rad. And now they're also in the uh, publishing world with the Cyber Shadow, which released earlier this earlier this year. What the fuck? Um, twenty twenty one has been a year. Uh, yeah. After a year, that was twenty twenty. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, no, it, it's it's fan. Uh, oh god. <laughs> so I'm I'm just a, a big uh, fan, and I know that they are have another. They have Shovel Knight Dig coming out, which I am like that is going to be my that is going to be my jam. So, you know, uh, yeah. So I I don't know. Like I think that I don't think that um, Puzzle Dungeon is quite as uh, indispensable for me as as the earlier games in. Um, Shovel Knight, like I, if you haven't played Shovel Knight and you like platformers um, or two D platformers, I would definitely recommend checking it out because uh, it, there's just quite a bit of good content there. But you know, if if uh, if you already like Shovel Knight, then you should like Pocket Dungeon, and it's I think an interesting, uh, an interesting little new thing that's come out. All right. And, and I of, see your oh. out of curiosity, which platform are you playing it on? Because I know it's out on a bunch of them, but it yeah, seems to me I've, like this kind of game seems like it would be best on Switch. But. Oh yeah. I'm playing it on Switch. And it's it's yeah. it's per, it's pretty perfect too. Um because one of the things that's nice is that as somebody that's not particularly good at it, uh the matches are very, very short and you can restart them pretty quickly. So it is a pretty perfect game to just be able to go, okay, I've got five minutes. Let me pick it up and play for five minutes and then put it down and go back to work or whatever. So it's, I I think, um, you know, Shovel Knight's uh, Yacht Club has had a good relationship with the Switch. Uh, Like they, um, uh, for a while, uh, their um, Spectre of Torment was just on, or it, it, it was first released on Switch, which, um, and that was back, like, right when the Switch came out. And so that was, like, one of the first things I played on the Switch was playing through Spectre of Torment. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it makes sense on that platform. Yeah. You can play it on, a, um, it's, there's also, it's also on uh, PC and PlayStation, but it, it feels like it's, pretty perfect for the switch as a platform nice um all right so with that 
You're also on Switch. Yeah. I hear you're paying too much money yeah. to replay an N64 <laughs> game. Yeah, I mean, I already played it, so it's like, it's already there. Uh, yeah, so um, N- Nintendo 64 on Switch. Uh, other games are on there, and I was, I, I've, um, like, when, when that expansion came out, I played not an un- insignificant amount of Yoshi's Story, which was pretty fun to revisit because that was a <laughs> childhood favorite of mine. But now I am playing through the original Paper Mario. Yay! Um, which is on Switch now. Uh, and it was very, very exciting for me to have that come to Switch. So um, I'd imagine it holds it's, up. Does it, does it hold does, up? Oh my god, it really does. And I mean, I'm saying this as somebody that really loves Paper Mario. So take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I think it, it just holds up phenomenally considering um aesthetically it looks it still looks really good um the writing is still really funny and really well done uh the gameplay is still really solid it's just i i think it really holds up um phenomenally well for being a nintendo 64 game uh which has you know certain games on that have not held up as well as others but it's i i think it's really great and it's 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 certainly holding up so i'm you know, should you pay the stupid amount of money to get access to that? Eh, probably not. But if you like Paper Mario, it's, it's you know, it's fun to be in there. And uh, it's just like the most, one of the most nostalgic games for me ever to play. So it's just, it's just very, very fun to revisit and see these uh, locations and these characters. And it's, it's just, it's just really, really nice. So I, I love paper mario and it's it's it, it's held up so it's it's it, you know replaying it it's i was wondering okay is this going to be one of those where i play it and i run around and go this is kind of nice but but i think i am actually probably going to go and finish the whole thing because it's just just really it's a really nice game so it's uh yeah so uh i man Nintendo, hi. I'm sure you're listening to this. Hey, a thousand this year is, door. Uh, hey, Nintendo. This is Miyamoto's Miyamoto's favorite podcast right here. Miyamoto, a thousand year door needs to get ported to the Switch, please. Thank you. For one hundred dollars a year. I listen. You, you can joke. play Thousand Year Door on Nintendo Switch. You joke, but I would do it. That is like my favorite game. So I'm like, uh, I, I, I bet there is a way to play it on switch. It just involves doing some uh, stuff to your switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's if, if, and I'm also somebody that stands by thinking that, uh, super paper Mario is really good, even though it's not really, it, it, it's, it's the first big departure from the series, but I th- I still think it's really Excellent, but but man, Thousand Year Door is the is it, it is genuinely my favorite game of all time. So I would really surely like... they will put they will re-release Thousand Year Door on its twentieth anniversary. Ugh. When is I, that? It's no, that's not that's not for it's two thousand four. So it's in well, I guess that's in three years. Yeah, in yeah, like two years. There will like be there will be. Yeah. Oh God, what is the time <laughs> there's, anymore? There's you, no way they're going to put Thousand Year Door out before that. 
do you think i don't think i don't think there's it's reasonable to think they'll put it out for that well i'm uh, saying if they're gonna do it that's when they would do it um uh i i yeah, what i think actually is we'll have to wait till the next handheld for gamecube support on like whatever their online offering is yeah, i think 2024 is a timeline for when I, something I th- like I th- that could i hit. i Yes, I, I, I concur. I, I think 2024 probably makes the most sense for that. Uh, but who knows? Uh, world is a strange place uh, right now. And maybe you won't even be able to buy a, an Xbox or a PlayStation by then. So who knows? <laughs> maybe there'll be no point. I think perhaps for fans of classic Nintendo, the very best console you could get is a personal computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or a mister. Yep. A there's Steam Deck. A, I, I, a, I, yeah. At my uh, parents' house, there's an analog pocket waiting for me. That that's ooh, awesome. It arrived. I'm very happy. Nice. For you. It arrived, I, but I had it delivered to my parents' house because I pre-ordered it. Yeah. Uh, back like in the before day. you moved, so I like, right? I was like, <laughs> right. So I was like, who knows when this is going to come? I'm going to have it sent to my parents. Um, yeah. But it's so I don't know when I'll get to play it, but I'll probably <laughs> be bringing some uh, Game Boy I, Advance games with me to. With when I come to visit for Christmas to play, so. I, I got some <laughs> some holiday gift cash, and there was a brief moment where I was like, maybe I would, maybe I'll just order an analog pocket. And then I saw the chip. Now they're twenty twenty three is when you get Boom. your analog Boom. pocket if oh, you order God. it today. So I was like, nope, forget it. Never mind. I, I, I'm <laughs> like, get a mister. I was talking to my dad about that where where I was like. Listen, the fact that I got it, it now at all, when I pre-ordered it uh, in August 2020, is like, with this chip shortage, it's, it's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah, um, no, I'm ha- very happy for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull, I'm, I'm going to save the money and put it towards Steam Deck when my Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's fair, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the Steam Deck to finally grace my presence. I'll probably but, put Windows on it so I can do, well, I don't even, you don't even need to put Windows on it, you can, just with their OS, I'm sure you can run emulators on it. Oh, oh sure. like I think Retro Arch is on Steam now, yeah. even yeah. so you can yeah. use that. So I'm gonna but use it's that for uh, an emulation box. Have any of you considered getting in a, a Mister Multi System? Nope. No, nope, absolutely not. I can I, do all the stuff that I would want to do with it on a PC. Um, like I don't need the fidelity uh, for the stuff that it does. I think those things are awesome. I'm glad that they make them and that that people that there's a yeah. community around it because i like watching other people mess with them but it's not really i think the I, only, yeah. I would consider getting one if i had a dedicated room for games and i had a crt mm-hmm. in that room so that i could really get the full experience of like having the 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 more higher fidelity hardware um i think that would be the it's like the, the, the 700 pound sony 55 inch crt yes yep mm-hmm. the trinitron yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, actually it wouldn't be a, a huge tier. I would get one of those monitors that was uh-huh. like security oh, okay, monitors yeah. that people Oh mm-hmm. yeah. The, want. Yeah, some of those some of those monitors are those are hot commodities now. Yeah. Um. They're not very big, <laughs> but they're they're the best. You can, yeah. That stuff. You can kind of find them if you go to like uh mm-hmm. uh well, what do you call it? The second go to like a state sales good, like a good shops and stuff. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. interesting because anytime it, yeah, because I've definitely thought about my my apartment's not big enough too, but I definitely have thought about getting a CRT so that I could hook up um, like 
like get another GameCube and hook it up. <laughs> and um, man, I yeah, it, it's it's interesting just how uh, you know. For most people, it's like, oh, it's this heavy thing that I need to get rid of. But for me, for, but for people who like retro games, it's like, ooh, this is got to get yeah. that CRT. It's, it's got to get rid of that Hello Kitty CRT oh, uh, that all the Smash the players want. Or the Shrek one. Is the Shrek one also high quality? Uh, I just had a like flashback to the first time I saw a big TV which was probably I, I would have been like I don't know six years old, and like, like a rear projection. I probably like it. Was, like I had seen like you know, the biggest TV I'd seen was like thirty two inches or whatever, uh, something like that. Like you know, square CRT, which is not like small uh, at the time. But I was at like a neighbor's house, and they had just like the biggest fucking CRT I had ever seen, at least at that time, uh, you know, probably 55 inch or something, something ridiculous. And they were watching ants. So <laughs> that's like what I think, like first big TV I saw is just like the ants face, which is disturbing. It was also the first time I had seen that movie. So I was like, I don't like this. This isn't what bugs is life. This yeah. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone was in that movie. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever actually seen the entire thing. I know that I did eventually, mm-hmm. but it's think, it's been so long, I think and I, it's not a movie that I feel like I need to re revisit. Woody Allen, yeah, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone, oh Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, isn't it? Danny Glover, Jennifer Lopez, what? Danny Glover, really? Yeah, Barbados. Uh, yeah, so there's there's your ants check in. Uh, yeah, I'm reading about it now too. Anyways, <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks for that check in, Allison, and yeah. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about Paper Mario in the weeks to come. <laughs> Allison's 2021 game of the year. Yep. Listen, <laughs> Mario on Switch. You joke, but. <laughs> My 2021 game of the year came out in 2008, so <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm trying to like quit, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, oh, well, yeah, okay, it's, of course. Yeah, racing. yeah, right, 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 right. Well, uh, we're not here to talk about iRacing. We're here to talk Unfortunately. about. <laughs> unlike uh, unlike we past can. weeks, I, unlike past weeks. Uh, we are here to talk about. Uh, we have escaped the iRacing conversation. Escape from iRacing. Oh, you can never escape iRacing, much like you can never escape from Tarkov, truly. <laughs> it's because they wipe the servers every time there's a major patch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I played, I've played a, a lot of Escape from Tarkov. I've played more Escape from Tarkov this week than I've iRaced. Uh, and uh it's been fun i've been to some crew of some people um obviously tarkov one of the the, the many games that we discuss here that has had some bullshit in its history at yeah. least the only reason i'm cool with engaging with it at all is that the dude that said the worst bullshit there is long long gone and has not worked there now for like four years so it's still it's though it is it is a uh it is a game about it's a game that hates you which mm-hmm. I that's a genre that I'm a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. 
You're you're and, a, 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 a sadist. Is what, uh, yeah. You're you're like Miyazaki like in that no, way. An, you want to be you want to be punched an, to death by a mushroom yeah. in the forest. Yeah, it's like a I'm like a gaming master. Round for sure. in a giant pudding. Yeah. Um. Last night I was crawling through a resort, and there was a hole in the ceiling above me, and I had spent like ten minutes crawling around trying to find stuff, and then there was a guy upstairs, and he just shot me in the head through the hole, and I died, and lost all the stuff that I brought with me, and it was a waste of ten minutes of time. Uh, it it that's just the way she goes in Tarkov. But That's I think the, the thing, way the cookie crumbles, the thing that I'm learning this time out that I did not know before. And the reason I'm bringing it up at all is because uh, what has created the sickness in me this time is how that game is like. You, we say like mile wide inch deep to describe mm. a lot of things. That game mm-hmm. is like a mile wide and a mile deep <laughs> mm. in a lot of ways. R.I.P. We're never going to see Pat again. It is so wild. I've been running around. The, I so I found a key. Mm-hmm. The key unlocks. No, no, like a like an actual okay. key. Um, the key unlocks a door in mm-hmm. a resort on a map called Shoreline. Because the way the Tarkov is structured is, you are outfitting your character with stuff that you have in your inventory. So you're putting on like body armor and a helmet. And if you put on a headset, it makes it easier to hear footsteps. Um, if you put on glasses, then you don't get as affected by flash grenades. Um, you, you're, you're putting on, you're picking a gun that you want. You're putting on a, a rig, which is like tactical vest kind of thing that has like hold your ammo and grenades and, and maybe a sidearm. If you want to take, put the one in there for some reason, you've got your backpack. Then you have your container, which is a very small container that you can save things between runs even if you die. So you can you can put stuff in the container if you die uh, and then you keep it if you die uh so you're you're outfitting yourself and then you're picking a map there's like five of them currently kind of a varying size but generally they're comparable to i guess they're smaller than battle royale maps because the player counts a lot smaller there's only 12 people per tarkov match 12 pmc players and then you're picking a time slot there's usually one in the middle of the night and one in the in the daytime so you can play if you want it at night or in the day and then you're dropping in and then you're running around the map looting stuff and then getting to an extraction point and so like they usually there's like extraction points all around the edges of the map and some in the middle and wherever you drop in uh it's going to give you a list of extraction points you can hit usually on the other side of the map so you have to like get across the map to get out um and you and you have like 30 minutes to do it uh so like ba- that's basic structure, but what I wasn't really clear on the last time I played it was that it's like also a fairly deep RPG um, in that everything you do has skill points associated with it. So like running levels up your endurance and it makes you better at sprinting and your stamina okay. goes down slower. Oh boy. Oh um, boy. Sh- shooting guns gets you better control over the gun so you can manage their recoil easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like treating yourself your wounds with medicine which you have which is pretty complex because you can have like broken bones or light bleeds heavy bleeds different kinds of ah, so metal gear solid uh, three yes very yes definitely in fact so, so much so that like you're dragging specific medicines onto specific body parts in the interface um so just like metal gear solid 3, the, sorry specific medicines onto specific body parts so does that mean 
in order to use it on your leg, it has to be a specific medicine, or you can use one medicine on any part of your body. It's well, you, you can generally use one medicine on any part of your body. The medicines okay. are tied to different kinds of trauma. It's like, so okay. if you got like a like a burn, you can drag like burn ointment to your yeah, leg, sure. or if you got a gunshot, uh, you can drag like gauze or whatever. Or yeah, if so you're like got it, got it. sore, you can like drag icy hot onto your balls and then basically mm, yeah, debuff you got it. and yeah. Uh, yeah. It's things like I stepped on a mine and it broke my leg, so I was limping <laughs> uh-huh. for yeah. a while. But then my friend had a splint broke. on him, so he tossed me the broke splint. Broke your leg, yeah. And then uh, I was able to splint my leg, and it it helped. Does not heal. Also, <laughs> you're, sometimes you're like, you'll take a bunch of damage, and even if you heal, it's not enough to like really heal you because you just got like shot four times in the chest, and your guy's just like, ugh. Oh, oh, like through the rest of the level, and it sounds yeah. awful. And everybody else can hear it too. So, anyway. so you're just like a sitting duck. People are like, oh, what's that? I hear that. I'm gonna and go like, chase down this bleeding man. You t- yes, uh, and you, your blood drops also. If you don't heal up enough, you leave a blood trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like on top of that, there's things like, and this is where it really started to get me. So I found a key. The key is for room 226 in the resort, east wing of the resort on the shoreline map. So now I have to f- get there and get in that room and figure out what's in there. Like, it's like got really good loot in it. But if I die holding that key and I don't put it in my storage pouch that comes with me when I die, I lose the key. So I can keep it in there, but then if I manage to loot that room and I get all that good shit, I have to get out with it. Otherwise, if I die while I'm holding it, it's gone. Because you can insure your stuff, and then it'll come back to you the next day, like real-time day, if um, uh. a player didn't loot it. But if a player loots it off of you, then yeah. you're not going to get it back. To counteract that, you basically take garbage in when you're like a lower-level player. Yeah. You take like the most basic rifle, the most basic armor, the most basic helmet, the most basic headset, and the most basic backpack. That way, people don't give a shit about your stuff. So they, mm-hmm. they might kill you, but they won't loot you. Um, and then you can get it back with your insurance. Uh, so anyway, that has been a lot of fun. I've been playing with with friends. The new thing that's notable, they had a big patch last Sunday, and they wiped the servers. And... Um, they uh which is a good thing for that game because basically it means that like it puts everybody on level playing again Mm. um and because of the nature of that game it's fun to do the kind of grind again to level up and do the quests and stuff because it's not really a narrative to it it's just like Mm. Mm -hmm. people develop strategies for playing through that content faster and getting up to the higher levels and having like really good gear and then you're there's the risk reward is like taking it in to fight people um so uh, the the new thing, though, the big new thing with this patch, they added a new map, which is cool. It has, like, these crazy... There's NPC enemies in Tarkov, and you can play as an NPC enemy, basically, called scav runs, where every 20 minutes you can play as a scav, a player scav, and you spawn in with, like, random kind of garbage loot, and you, like, look like an AI enemy. Um and it's just a way to kind of play the game without risking your real stuff. Um, and if you escape as a scav, you get to keep the stuff that they had on them and that you looted as a scav. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you die, the scav's gone forever. Uh, so they added a new map with a new kind of like AI enemy that are like 
PMC AI. So they're really, really, really tough. So we've mm. just kind of kept throwing ourselves at them and getting completely roasted, my friends and I. We also tried like playing with five people. That was a nightmare. Actually, you would think five people would be like, well, that means you have almost half of the PMCs in the map, so you must be able to roll everyone. But you spend so much time coordinating who's where because mm. there's full friendly fire and there's no name tags in that game at all. So Ooh. you basically have to watch each other's. We put our streams on Discord so you can see the other person's point of view and mm. <laughs> then just communicate. And playing with five people is just a cacophony of like, okay, well, I'm by the ambulance. I'm approaching the hood of the ambulance. I'm behind the gas station. I'm at the pumps. I'm at the pumps. I'm at the pumps. Wait, is that you? Are you shoot? Don't shoot at me. Don't shoot at me. I'm around the corner wall. I'm there's shots coming around the wall. Is that you? I'm trying to hit somebody and he's past the wall by the by the oil barrels. So, well, that might actually be me. That might be me. <laughs> so like if, just <laughs> when you get murdered in that game, does it tell you who murdered you? Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's oh, super, okay. Super so there's, there's no there's no plausible <laughs> deniability there. No. At one okay. point my well, friend I mean, there around, is, yeah. My friend and I we both came around a corner and Gross. I was like, who is that? And then he shot at me and I just dropped him. And then he was like, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you shot first. <laughs> you do get XP for killing your friends too. So, uh, but yeah, it's rough with five people. Um, and I think the sweet spot for that game is three people. Because uh, then you're still... You have enough people you can flank and coordinate, but because there's no distinction, it's not like there's a duos mode or anything. Yeah, you queue, you queue. If you're solo, you could end up against a squad of five people. Um, yeah, but you can try to make them kill each other, which is apparently not that hard. Uh, <laughs> but the other crazy thing they added with this update is now there's in-game VoIP. There never was before, I guess. Yeah. So now you can talk in-game, which is most interesting when you're playing as a pmc you would never you just do it to to i i actually have not heard anything truly offensive um which is surprising but as a pmc you just do it to taunt each other like calling people shit lickers and stuff uh and uh but as a scav it's interesting because when you play as a player scav you don't npc scavs don't attack you and you're actually not supposed to kill them because you lose reputation then they're like a faction and Mm. the idea is that you're kind of playing with them and same thing is true for player scouts you're not really supposed to kill each other people still do it all the time but now with voice chat there's a lot of times when you're playing as a scav and then and you hear somebody else and you're like well i know this i don't think there's a pmc and so you'll like say like hello and then you hear we were in this resort where i got killed before um as scavs my friend and i and we heard somebody walking around, and my friend was like, hello? The other person was like, yeah, what's up? And he, he was like, are you cool? And he was like, yeah, are you cool? And I was like, yeah, there are two of us, but we're cool. And he was like, okay, <laughs> no worries, guys. <laughs> and then in one map, we talked to some people, and then they totally fucking shot us in the back as we were mm-hmm. walking away from them. Uh, and we were super pissed off. At one point, we ran into a group of four other player scavs, and we rolled as, like, a group of six. And there were a couple of them role-playing and, like, yelling a bunch, and it was really funny. And then we were, like, standing next to them, pointing our guns at them, and one of my friends at Discord was like, should we fucking kill them? We should fucking kill them. And I was like, there's four of them. There's no way we're going to be able to get out of this if we start shooting. 
and it gets it leads to these like really fun so- social engineering situations and without like needing quite the amount of buildup that something like a daisy has mm. so it's it's been yeah. really fun i've been anyways I, anyways i started blasting uh, yeah yeah uh so just drop a grenade and run you know like it's what it's are they gonna do it's interesting because it's a game that is it's extraordinarily hard and like most of the time you're getting disappointed when you go in like you die so much um mm-hmm. but it also feels like it's not so much a game about like raw shooting skill it doesn't if you're good at shooters that's helpful but it feels so much like even more than something like a PUBG you you need to have awareness of the game's systems and rules to understand how conflicts are going to break down um cuz the shooting people part is kind of the easy part it's it's more understanding like how is the caliber of my weapon going to damage them how are, how are we going to compare based on what kind of gear i think they have and stuff uh it's it's really cool i'm i'm going to continue to try to get into it as someone who played hundreds of hours of PUBG and made it to the top 50 of North America at one point, that sounds really appealing. Cause like, that's kind yeah, of been I, the thing for me that like I tried apex, I tried, um, I don't know, a bunch of the battle Royales. Like I tried Fortnite, I tried all those things and none of them really stuck with me like PUBG did. Yeah. Um, be- because they all more went in the arcadey direction. Uh, whereas yeah. like the more realistic direction was always more interesting. And this does sound like it's leaning yeah. further in that direction by I like, think he, a significant degree. I think if you liked PUBG, you would like Tarkov. Um, because yeah. it's what I like about it. In addition to all the stuff I just said is I just appreciate, I'm kind of over battle Royales because I'm so tired of the like dropping in and then needing to loot stuff. And like that, just that loop got really exhausting to me. Tarkov is fun to me because it doesn't, matter if you kill people or not um it's more about setting a goal for yourself with a raid and then trying to achieve it like i know i need right now i have a quest where i need to get three of these specific kinds of med kits so to me it's more about like i gotta drop in figure out where the med bags are learn the maps to get them the the biggest barrier to entry at this point is honestly is that there's no in-game map so you have to use a second monitor with a map on it there are in-game maps you can buy but they're like they're not as useful as just having a map up on a second monitor. So learning the maps like by heart so I can just go through them is the thing I'm kind of focused on right now. And it's, it's a little bit challenging, but yeah, it's, it's a really good game. And um, you know, I, I, the fact that they, that they haven't said anything stupid and controversial is probably just luck. Cause I'm guessing the people that make it are still probably fucking assholes. I don't know. I don't know them, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, been a very fun game to play you just have to have a lot of tolerance for um the fact that you're gonna like with the i have the base version of the game you start with five hundred thousand rubles and it costs about 50k to get outfitted for a raid and ensuring it costs another like 20k and Oof. you die almost every time you go out uh <laughs> it's 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 very rare that you have a successful raid um i played for like two hours last night and i had one instance where i got out with a scav uh and so you have to be willing to go you'll start an evening at like 400k and then your money will drop down to like 80,000 after a few hours of playing and but then you know 
we were like, okay, well, let's go to this one map. And I found two Game Boys. They call them Tetrises um, <laughs> in a shop. And selling those what? got me like 150K uh, Wait, at, at the vendor. Is is the name Tetris not licensed or like it's copywritten? T-E-T-R-I-Z in oh. the game. Oh, got it. Also, like, like they wings. don't fucking care. They don't fucking care. <laughs> the headsets say 3M on them. I would bet money they do not have the 3M license. <laughs> uh, Almost, they put, gu- they, I mean, they just call the guns the real names in real life. <laughs> and I'm 90% sure for most, they have the Russian licenses, like they've, they, uh-huh. they've licensed with Kalashnikov, but I'm pretty positive they don't have the license to any of the American gun manufacturers and yeah. they just put their guns in the game, which I say fuck them because it's not like gun yeah. manufacturers in the U.S. Right. have any fucking, I don't give a shit if they're getting paid at all. I would prefer they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. but but I think Tarkov is, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think they just kind of are like. They're kind of like fuck it. Yeah, like they 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 pick they have some fake brands like I think it's Tardux uh are the is like the Starbucks knockoff in there. So like they have some fake brands. But is it like the fake brands that are most likely to sue basically? (laughs) The most litigious ones. Whereas with a lot of like like they're like, ah, nobody at 3M is ever gonna get here back that our headsets say 3M on or like the or or like really realistically if if a nerd at 3M saw that they'd be like oh okay like yeah. 3M's not necessarily like I don't know you, it, it, they're not like similarly protective of their yeah. branding as yeah. like Starbucks right uh so yeah it's th- th- that stuff is very silly uh and I appreciate it uh. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's definitely up. Would be probably up your alley if you're into into uh, PUBG and looking for something to scratch that itch. Because that's definitely the thing that it. Everyone that I know who's into it played a lot of PUBG and did, yeah. had the exact myself included had the exact experience you're describing, Alex, of like no other battle royale doing it quite the same way. And Tarkov is the thing that that kind of works. Um, and I think they usually do a year-end sale too, so it's probably available for cheap. It's only forty bucks, like to start, but um, the, it, there is a certainly a pay-to-win aspect with that game, where the different additions give you better shit to start with. So there's nothing you can do beyond buying the addition. There's no in-game microtransactions or anything you can pay for. Uh, and at the end of the day, the difference is pretty negligible there. So I don't think it's like a reason to not play it, but there are different additions and the bigger additions you start with better, a couple better guns and a larger stash. So that's like that's a mustache. <laughs> like you start with a big fucking, just like, uh, Oh God, what's his name? Magnum PI. Uh, oh, no, one of the Reynolds. Yeah, no, not Burt Reynolds. What's his name? Magnum. PI. Uh, I can't bro, remember his name. Right now. I'm like, Oh my God. I hate that. I, you I mean, yeah. Why can't I think of it now? Um, uh, Oh no! Damn. Tom Wait, Selleck. Uh, Tom Selleck. Don, thank Tom you. Selleck. Right. Okay. That was, uh, yeah. that was, no. I, I googled Magnum PI, and apparently there's a new Magnum PI series <laughs> from 2018. Why? I you know, don't worry about it. Because everything I, old is new again, Alex. Yeah. The only thing. Wait, was that? Yeah, it was on. It was on CBS. Okay, because uh, watching Jeopardy with my uh, parents is the only time that I see commercials for like network TV, and I'm like, what? What's, what are they airing on network TV nowadays? I don't even know. Young Sheldon, and that's it. We 
Uh, Bazinga. My... <laughs> my... My... Finding it my to my a halt. No, we just joke about the... There's the NBC show La Brea, which we keep seeing uh, ads for every single time that we watch Jeopardy. Anyways. I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know. My... my, well, my, my not good, apparently, according to my dad, who watched a couple episodes. Well, Pat, if this isn't the polar opposite of Escape from Tarkov, I don't know what is. So I'm going to talk <laughs> about this extremely briefly because we've talked about this plenty, and I really want to talk about High Frontier for 10 minutes before we move on. But okay. uh, I also, I, I don't know why I didn't know this or why, like, it's an, it was just a weird moment of like, oh, I guess I could be doing that in the background when I work out and when I'm... The other thing about Tarkov, sometimes the cues are like 10 minutes long. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, um, Alex doesn't know anything about cues. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my cues. friend, my friend pointed out th- that you can catch all the Pokemon if you have a 3DS and a Switch. Huh. Like mm. every single yeah. Pokemon is available in one way yep. or another. Some of them you have to have the physical cartridge for. For the DS games, um, like they're not on the yeah. eShop. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, oh, so actually, for the longest time, I would just like kind of razz them about Pokemon because it was like, yeah, it's cool, but it's a pain in the ass that you can't just like catch them all on Switch. And he was like, well, if you have a 3DS, you can at least catch them all between the two. So I purchased Pokemon Blue on the virtual console and have been slowly. <laughs> Just kind of like you know the, catching Pokemon while I've been. This is, that sounds really fun, and I kind of want to join you. <laughs> it's real nice. It's good. That game's good. Turns out. Oh this no! Is, this I, is think Pokemon, not, I think yeah, Pokemon's Pokemon good. Great. Yeah. This is I, not that dissimilar from Tarkov. If you think about each game no, being yeah, its own yeah, raid, mm-hmm, and you're just going yeah, in, exactly. you're looting all the Pokemon. Exactly. And, you're taking <laughs> them all and imprisoning them. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's been fun. I'm not that deep into it but i did play like two hours over the last few days um about 40 minutes of that was sitting waiting in tarkov queues <laughs> uh but uh but yeah it's huh. it's been and the other thing i didn't know about the 3ds that helps this too i didn't know that you could just close it with virtual console games running and then they would uh. keep they would it would resume when you opened it back up yep. i thought that for the virtual console specifically you had to restart the game but the fact that mm. it works that way makes it extremely easy to just like yeah, I still save fairly frequently, but like you can just like shut it if there's, for yeah. example, once a queue pops, you can just shut it and then come back to it in a few minutes and you don't have to reboot the whole game. Uh, oh, my though. God. In but. high school, there was like a period where a bunch of us were playing like Pokemon games on like DS. This I think that this this was about like the time the 3DS came out, but like, you know, there were people on DS and whatever. And I was playing like a Game Boy Advance game. I was playing like Emerald on DS. And if you close the DS with a Game Boy game, it would not like sleep. It would just right. like keep, keep going. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Cause I didn't have a DS until like, I don't know, like that, like sure. month or whatever. And so yeah. I was like, I was like alone in a room. like in like the, audio room of the theater and i was like why do i hear pokemon music is it coming from this weird hole in the ground and i was like get close to the hole and my 3ds was or my ds was in my pocket so i get closer to the hole and my i can hear the music louder 
And then I'm like, I call I call a friend. I'm like, you have to fucking listen to this. There's Pokemon music coming from this weird hole in the ground. And then we get. Then he's like, oh my god. And then he calls in other people, and they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Eventually, later, I'm like, oh, it's. it's I'm hearing it from my pocket. This room is not haunted with the sound of Pokemon. It was your butt all along. <laughs> not my butt, but uh, close closer to my dangle than my my dongle, if you know what I mean. No, I don't. Can you elaborate? <laughs> uh, no, I will not. <laughs> well, I'm not here to make some stand that I'm going to catch every Pokemon because that would be a ridiculous thing to like promise. But it's been it. It's a fun. No, it's been to just have. <laughs> It even hasn't even been a full week, so I can't even say that yet. But it's 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 fun to uh, to like run around in the grass and catch a few Pokemon before mm-hmm. bed. Um, also, the only other thing I have to say about Pokemon Blue is compared to more modern games, the fact that they basically talk to you for five minutes and then they're like, "All right, fucking go, man." I don't know. It's <laughs> I, so good. You know, I, I, love, I do love that. <laughs> It, that was the, the that was the best part as like playing that game the, as a kid with no guide or whatever. It's just like this is a big world. I don't know how big yeah. this world is. And, like, and yeah. it's actually, it seemed infinite. It's actually fairly linear still, but yeah. instead of it being linear the way that more modern Pokemon games can be, where it's like, well, now I gotta go talk to this guy, and we really think you should go to this city. It's linear because they just put roadblocks in your path that you need yeah. hms for yeah so it feels yeah. a lot less you don't feel as railroaded even though you're you are yeah. being railroaded mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's it's really smart i wish they, yeah it's unfortunate that to me i'm not trying to dunk on modern pokemon games but i really wish the last couple generations hadn't been as exposition heavy. yeah it's, it's uh, it would make it easier for me to get into them because i think that it's a lot of the uh, the things that have made the games easier has been, you know, for a lot of people streamlining stuff that they didn't like, which is like the HMs, for example. Uh, you XP no longer share and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, I, I I saw people talk about this. Whereas, like, yeah, the reason the other older Pokemon games were harder was because you know it, it didn't have any of the conveniences of the newer ones, so people just accepted that you'd need to do some level of grinding, for example, or, um, you know, you know, have to have the inconveniences of the HMs and everything. But I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I think there is a way that you could have a balance of having it be, um, both ex- accessible, but also not have the two hours of bullshit at the start of the yeah. game. I mean, <laughs> you know, shield like, definitely is not as bad as sun and moon. I got past the, oh my God. Shield. Sun and moon. I couldn't do it. I tried. I, I, I couldn't get past the dialogue shit. I spent, I spent yeah. like literally three hours and I still hadn't been like cut loose. And I was like, this is, I'm not, doing I know this. it's, it's rough. And I, and I think that it. there's definitely a middle ground that I don't think that they've quite found yet. And yeah. if they found it, I feel like they could like, create a genuinely like i at least think that they know that sun and moon sucked so like in that respect i yeah i I, I was gonna say i like i like the rest of sun and moon yeah yeah yeah. but the start is like the slowest goddamn thing in the world yeah and uh, and it's like it doesn't oh man i you know i don't even mind necessarily the dialogue so much but replaying uh but um playing uh brilliant diamond i i 
please don't make me sit through another goddamn video of being like, how do you catch a Pokemon? Yeah. Because I'm like. Video? Oh, well, I mean, it's like they, they I mean, don't it's, want you to skip all it. like, It's just like yeah. all that the other person. It's like you watch somebody else catch a Pokemon. So it's basically oh, sure. like. It's, it's not even that it's written super poorly or anything. It's fine. Yeah. It's just. Uh, yeah. It was for me. It was like. After a couple hours in, in, in Ultra Sun of trying to get through the dialogue, I was like, I don't care. You've show, yeah. you've introduced me to like 15 characters. I don't know why I should care about any of these people. Just leave me alone. Let me just yeah. – give me a bike and let me go ride around and catch I just, Pokemon. That's all I, I fucking want. I just wish that these games would let you, um, especially for some of those tutorials, just be like, look, I, yeah. <laughs> I've played the Pokemon – like a quick I know start what a option. Pokemon exactly. It's like I know what a Pokemon Center is. I know what HP is. I know how to catch a Pokemon. Just let me go. I've bought a potion <laughs> or two in my day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, I've put like a lot of time into Pokemon. I I know what it is. So you you mm-hmm. don't need it. To, you don't need don't. to like make me watch somebody go. You should get the Pokemon's HP as low as you can before you try to catch it because it's like I. Yeah, I know. So I, I understand. You want to you, you be able to test out of the tutorials. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, <laughs> Pokemon GR Pokemon placement test PPT. Yeah, like I mean, if there's like, if there was some like thing where you could say like, "Hey, I'm like," if there's a character, where it's like, "Hey, I can show you around," but if you don't want to, that's cool too. And you go, "Nice, I'm going over here and not talking to you." That'd be real nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. I think I will probably at least get through Gen Two because that's my favorite. So uh, I would like to play. That was Gold and Silver. Would like to play. You're getting into Linux again. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we'll see how how long it sticks. But it's been fun. Um, good show watching and podcast game. Let me tell you. Fucking great for that. There's something we said about that with Pokemon too. Maybe no better video game series to play in the background while you watch a show. Oh, absolutely. Pay so I, little attention to it when you're just catching and stuff. I, I think it's between that and Diablo. I, the only reason I would say I'd think Pokemon is because you can stop paying attention to Pokemon oh, and it doesn't true. keep moving. So that's true. Yeah. that's true. That's the difference. I think you're okay. right. I think Diablo, Diablo is maybe a better podcast game than Pokemon. Yeah. Because, yeah. I think I would agree with yeah. that actually. Because, because you want, you don't have to stop doing <clears throat> what you're doing ever to pay attention to a podcast or an audiobook. but for show watching, I don't know if it gets better than Pokemon. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe true. like if grinding in any JRPG kind of works in that context, but Pokemon specifically is just, I don't know, because you, even when you're doing story stuff, like, you don't feel like you need it on a big screen. You don't feel like you need to pause the show to pay attention to story because story is kind of whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, so there's yeah. no know, po- like as somebody that's played a lot of even the more story heavy Pokemon games. There's no Pokemon game where I'm like, but the story, you guys, is like yeah. the thing. You know, it's like you know you're there yeah, to catch a bunch of Pokemon. Yeah. <clears throat> Although I we'll see if I make it this far. It's pretty. It's a lot of game to play to do it, but I am interested to revisit the black and white and X and Y story. I am too. Because I, I kind of want to play those again yeah, too. That was when I felt I did every Dex when I was a kid through like early college, and then X and Y was the one, was the generation that I kind of stopped playing at because I didn't 
like the story in it. And I just was like, black and white was, was that Pokedex was a mountain to climb. Um, so I had like done that. And then X and Y came out and I was like, I don't think I started playing it. And I was like, I don't think I can do this again, but I know the end game of that story and what happens in it. And it's fucking wild. So I kind of want to go back and play. I I am like this close to joining you in this because like God, I want to catch all the Pokemon. Pokemon is a great game. It's 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 fun to know that I can catch them and put them into Pokemon Home in each generation. Yeah, I didn't Mm -hmm. didn't know that because I I I knew you could do that with the original 151 using Let's Go, and I Uh think Let's Go is good. I just got bored playing Let's Go, and it's not that I think it's a bad game. It just they're the way that they chose to remake it just did not work for me. Yeah. But the fact that you can go back and play, it was 10 bucks to get blue on the virtual console on 3DS. Yeah. And so it was, it's like, okay, this is actually the way it's, I it's, like it's to a low cost of entry. Yeah. yeah. I have a Mew from buying that fucking Pokeball. And I don't Man. care about catching each Pokemon in the specific game. I just, the dream uh-huh. that again, probably will never happen, but it would just be to have all of them in Pokemon home, Mm-hmm. From whatever you, game I get. Do you have to pay? Do you have to subscribe for Pokemon Home? I think it comes with Nintendo Online at this point. Okay, because you used to have to subscribe yeah, to for like the Pokebank. Yeah, was, I think I will like, have to buy. It was like five dollars a year yeah. or something. It was five dollars yeah. a year, but I think still, I mean, have it's to still buy not. That yeah, because I believe to transfer Pokemon from the DS games to mm-hmm. Pokemon yeah. Home, you have to yeah. use the bank as an intermediary. Uh, whatever, five bucks is fine. I, I think I, mean, I, I lost all my Pokemon because I'm not subscribed to the Pokebank anymore. So I think they just like wipe all your stuff after after a time. Maybe I they don't, don't. I don't know. I think they do. I think you just can't access them. Um, but Pokemon X and Y are pretty hard to find. So ah, ah, I take that back. It's only like 40 bucks to get a Pokemon copy of Pokemon X. So not so bad. Uh, if your I Pokemon... If your Pokemon Bank Pass expires, you have a certain amount of time in which to withdraw any Pokemon you currently have stored. Unfortunately, after this period elapses, those Pokemon are lost, and we unfortunately do not have any way to restore them, even if you purchase (laughs) a new pass. Christ. That's crazy. That is weird. Yeah. yeah, Well, it's fucked. Pokemon is dead to me. It's weird, but I guess it is Pokemon. So, like, I, as somebody that loves that franchise, (laughs) as somebody that loves Pokemon, I'm like, I'm expecting. I'm accustomed to bullshit. They don't even say like what the time is. They just say after a certain amount of time. time. Yeah, that's weird. I bet they don't let you know when that time's about to come up too. But whatever. (laughs) I mean, I'm. It's. It comes with. I think it comes with uh, Pokemon Online uh, Mm -hmm. or or Nintendo Online, and I'm just gonna have that forever because I'm an idiot and I just let them take twenty bucks a year from me. So yeah. Well, Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Anyway, that's been fun. The last thing I'll talk about, I'm eating up a lot of time, so I'm going to try not to talk about it for too long. But uh, I played a r- extremely cool board game called High Frontier last weekend. It's very complicated, but I'm mostly bringing it up because I hadn't even heard of it before as someone who's really into board games until mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. And it's so cool. So I think more people, especially there's, I think there's some people that listen to the show that might be into it. Um, if you like Kerbal Space Program and like The Expanse, this is this game is like what if you took Kerbal Space Program and and with and with aesthetics closer to The Expanse and 
that was the game. It's set starts in the year 2020 and you are a spacefaring organization. There are corporations in there and and NASA's in there. SpaceX is in there, NASA's in there. There's like a Japanese space agency, the UN is in there. There's the Russian agency. It's all these different factions. And uh, you are trying to industrialize the solar system. Uh, and the sort of goal is to score victory points, which you get by exploring and um, building factories on different objects in the solar system. Uh, and it has supposedly the most accurate commercially reproduced Delta V map of the solar system as the game board. So it's this, just this, I mean, just if you're listening, just, just search high frontier game board. Uh, I'm looking at this and it is just, there are so many lines and like words and like little icons on this map. It is, it is so cool. It's, it's what's wild is that once you start to learn to play it, it very much clicks. Like it's really well designed. The current edition of it is really well designed from a like UI perspective, but it does look like gibberish when you first look at it. But like, it's like the the way that it's, that it works is you go, okay, well, what do I want to achieve? I want to land a, I want to go to Mars and I want to build a factory on one of the moons of Mars. So to do that, I need a, or and moons of Mars is a bad example. Let's say Mars itself, the planet. So Mars, it's a planet. It's big. So to get off of Mars and to and to have enough thrust to be able to effectively slow down and land on Mars, we need to do one of two things. We either need to be willing to risk damage to components by aero braking in Mars's atmosphere, which is very risky, or we need to have a big enough rocket that we want to that we we have the thrust to land safely on the planet without needing to aerobrake. So we're going to go with the latter option because it's safer for components inside the ship. There's risk to damage, so we need a really big rocket to do that. We need a really big rocket because we need to go fast at a certain point because we're going to have to pass through a radiation band, and the slower we're going through a radiation band, the more chance there are that radiation will damage stuff. So good reasons to have a big huge rocket. Say that rocket has a mass of three because it's big. We need some kind of thruster to just kind of make our burns to get to Mars from Earth orbit because the bigger rocket's going to be really fuel inefficient. So it's just not possible to carry enough fuel to use that huge rocket to burn all the way there. So you have to have a smaller thruster. That's massive one. We need to bring some prospecting equipment. Let's say we're going to bring a rover with a mining laser on it. Um, so Or a prospecting laser, whatever. So we're going to bring that. So that, that's got mass. And, oh, also our thruster needs a generator, so we're going to have to bring a generator. And that generator requires a reactor, so we're going to bring a reactor. And they're all different types, so we have to make sure every, all the types match in this, in this sort of support chain. And then we're going to bring a refinery because the refinery is what we place on the planet to make it into a factory. And we're doing all this because we're going to score victory points, and then once we have a factory there, we can create really good stuff um, at that, like, exo earth factory on another planet um so we know all the stuff that we're going to need we start bidding for patents from a deck of patent cards and we're fighting with other players over these patents that takes like several turns to be able to sort of build the get the components ready for this rocket 
we boost the rocket into orbit, we, we put the rocket together, and then we load it up with fuel, and we have to make very sp specific calculations, because now we've got a mass 8 rocket. We know we're going to need 7 fuel burns to get to Mars, and one of those fuel burns, two of those fuel burns, in fact, are going to require like nine fuel each because of our big rocket that burns a lot of fuel. So we're looking at needing at least like 18 fuel. So now we're going to be also loading up for our intermediary burns. And now we're at the point where we have this like super heavy rocket because it's got all this fuel in it. And all the stuff we planned out, we start heading out into space and then we get to the radiation area and it's like, oh no, well, because we're so heavy, we're moving slower. So now there actually is a risk to our components. So we need to roll this radiation die and hope that it gets low enough number. And if it doesn't get a low enough number, your whole missions just might just pop because <laughs> it damages stuff. And then we get to Mars. Oh no, we made a fuel miscalculation. We have to arrow break another roll that this could just end it all. Um, and this is kind of, that's kind of like this game for a lot of the early parts of it is this let's try to figure out how to build a rocket that can achieve a certain goal and then go for it. And um, you end up, like I spent three hours trying to figure out how to get a rocket on the moon because the moon, it turns out, is very hard to land on. If you've played Kerbal Space Program, you might know that like it's actually easier to go to their Mars equivalent than the moon, and that's true mm -hmm. in real life as well. The biggest barrier for us getting to Mars is how long it takes yeah. Um, so we can't figure out how to make sure that people can be safe and psychologically sound for the like year yeah. that it would take to get to Mars. Um, so, but landing on the moon, you can get there faster, but it is really hard cause you're going, you're going very fast when you are getting there. So you need a huge boost like rocket to slow down enough to, to, to survive the, uh, and to, to get into the moon's orbit because it's so much smaller than earth. So it's just really hard to transfer. That's true in this game as well. So I spent like three hours figuring out how to get to the moon. And then eventually I was able to do it and build a factory there. And it was really lucrative. But, um, I, the meantime, my opponents were, my friends were figuring out how to like maybe industrialize the asteroid belt and use asteroids instead, because this map has like everything it has, every notable asteroid it has comets on it that come and go throughout the course of the game um it has exoplanets way out at the edge of the solar system and what i like so much about it is every time you play it you can go well this time i'm going to try to do the moons of jupiter that's going to be my goal this game and it almost feels uh -oh. like you don't it doesn't are there, matter are, are there drops drops of jupiter <laughs> It's funny, they do use water droplets to determine like how uh, easy it is to prospect on, on a planet, um, which huh. is, is funny. Um, but then the other cool thing about this game is it has different modules. So like all the stuff that I described is, is sort of a high-level overview of the base game. In the box that I have uh, for the fourth edition, High Frontier for All is what they call it, um, it has the first it has module zero, which you can add once you've learned how to play it, and that's called politics. And it adds a um, like laws that can happen. So there's like different voting parties, and players each get some pull in that. And based on those things, it can cause different game rules to come into effect that are new um, and that sort of change how the game works. And you can 
it causes a little more player inactivity because you can screw somebody over. You can say like, all right, well, they're about to land on this asteroid. We're going to pass this law that says you can't mine asteroids. That's just an example. I don't think that's one of the real laws, mm. but that kind of stuff. Um, but then the expansions are really affordable. And there's like a module that includes new kinds of technology, new kinds of thrusters, new kinds of, of equipment to put on your rocket. There's a module that's about more about colonization. So you can like fully colonize planets. You can build space stations and those have their own sets of rules that uh, are impactful. And then there's also a module called combat or I don't know if it's called combat, but it's a combat module that introduces like warfare into the game. So now it goes from like very minor there's very little you do that's like militaristic in the game at first. But if you add that module to the game, then it's full on expanse. Like you can just, you're getting into like fights above planets with other players and shooting lasers and missiles at each other. Um, so the way that it's so modular and you can, you can add on to it. I was saying, seeing some people say that they like to play with like three of the modules and the, their games take like 14 hours. when they, oh. they play them. Oh my uh, God. We we played for six hours and got about halfway through the base game. Um, I think Oof. if you if you learned how to play it, it would not be yeah. as bad. Um, it would be about half a, that time, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw some people saying that it gets down to about forty five minutes per player if you um, if if you really get used to the rules, and that some people use turn timers so that you can't uh, you basically mm-hmm. are limited to sixty seconds a turn which sounds really, really, really tight. But one of the best parts about this game is even though it, it's really long, on your turn, you do movement and then one thing. That's it. And then mm-hmm. it goes to the next person. There's no... It's it's actually... The turns are very, very brisk because as long as you're paying attention and you're spending time figuring out what you're going to do on your turn, it's yeah. like, I'm going to... My turn, I'm going to move four steps on the board, which I've already calculated out, and I'm going to do an auction for a patent. And that takes 30 seconds and that's it. Uh, so you, you can play it faster, but uh, it is definitely a complex game. And it's, I guess it's like one of the most heavy board games on board game geek, which is like the, the website for board games. They have a weight scale that people <laughs> uh, vote on and it's out of five. And this one's like a 4.83. Uh, so mm-hmm. The only there's a couple of old war games that are like World War II chit based strategy games that are mm-hmm. a little higher in complexity, but that's about it. Uh, so if you like big, thick, heavy games, High Frontier is is a good one to pick up. I would say uh, too, if this sounds cool for to you and you don't like and you wish it was a little less heavy, High Frontier for All is still a good pickup because it includes two different games in the box that use some of the they use the components one of them is called space diamonds which is very easy to understand it's just about movement and it's not about different components all it breaks it down to just like you need to get here and you have this thruster um and it's actually designed for they say bright children to get into it and you just kind of learn a little bit about rocketry and then there's also a game called race for glory that simplifies the core game rules quite a bit so you can play that if you are interested, but not don't want to spend twelve hours playing a game. Uh, and I highly recommend it. It's will probably end up becoming one of my favorite games once I play it a few more times because it's it's really really cool and very unique too. Very there's very little in it that is transferable to other board games, um, mm. which is pretty cool. 
usually I can look at a board game and go like, oh, so it's hand management with some worker placement and guys on a map. This game is like there's there's some hand management and there's an auction mechanic. That's about the only thing I can map to other board games. Otherwise, it is very unique. All right. Well, that that sounds fascinating and I would love to play it and I probably never will due to <laughs> time constraints and it's, it's on tabletop yeah. sim so one of these maybe, days maybe, uh, maybe right. yeah maybe well, official tabletop sim mod okay okay that's it's and a date I, I can guide, uh, guide, guide us on the path uh, one, one nice thing about it too that we ran into because it is such a complex game playing with my friends we were playing it cooperatively even though it's competitive it does mm-hmm. have cooperative and solitaire mod like game variants but even playing the competitive game variant, we were still helping each other, like try, trying to help each other figure out like how to get to places. And there's no hidden information in the game. So it's 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 pretty you can play it very collaboratively, at least. So you're not just screwed uh, if you don't know how to do it. All right. Well, I just I would want to play with like I wouldn't want to sit somewhere for I I don't think I could sit somewhere for like six hours and try to figure that out by myself. Sixteen uh, hours. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it would. Yeah, I, I would. I definitely wouldn't do that. But my my girlfriend would be like, "What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it it sounds fun and interesting. I like I like space stuff, but. Wow. Sounds complicated. Yep. Uh, well, speaking of going to the moon. <laughs> Alex. Want, look, Net, we don't, Netflix, Netflix would never we're in, we're in, have we're fly in, me to the moon. But we Alex. Do not, we do not engage in crypto shit on this podcast. Okay. You're right. No. What was the, the interview with Keanu? He kept saying like, oh, are you hodling? <laughs> No, I saw just... a really funny Bitcoin news headline. I just Googled Keanu Reeves NFTs because I was trying to find like the uh-huh. I was trying to find that quote. Yeah. And th- I saw a <laughs> news story from Bitcoin News uh-huh. and the headline read Keanu Reeves owns crypto is skeptical of NFTs. And I was like, motherfucker, if your takeaway from that interview is that mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves is a crypto guy, you're a fucking it, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Someone bought it for me. I have not touched it. Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, no, um, but you know what isn't involved in crypto and is, in fact, being detrimentally affected by the crypto market because oh, all those, yeah. those chuckleheads are fucking up the, the GPUs and semiconductor shortages, etc. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy uh, XIV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw oh. a picture of uh, on on you on twitter of like this big giant crypto farm and half of the replies were like fucking up final fantasy 14 for us (laughs) why are you doing this to yoshi p (laughs) we we have it in the news and maybe we'll talk about it there but uh the ongoing server issues with final fantasy 14 have been fascinating um in in a lot of ways just because like it's purely coming down to infrastructure and a lack of resources in yeah. again semiconductors and stuff it's like it's 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 bizarre from what i understand like they've actively been like trying to buy new servers but there's yep. just the shortage is just like they're like we'll pay extra and they're still like 
don't have that. So yeah, people have suggested like in earnest, not even uh, yeah, uh, like jokingly being like, "Hey, Blizzard, can we rent some of your servers or something for a little while?" <laughs> like, like, pe- like people have actually been suggesting that uh, because they have huge infrastructure. So, anyways, <laughs> I, I would, I'd be like, I'd be like. <laughs> Blizzard would be like Rorschach. I'd be like, you ask me no. if you can install your game on my servers, and I look at you and I say, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't think we've ever talked about it on this podcast ever. Um, but that's, I, that's the sequel to Final Fantasy thirteen too, right? This is like Snow 13, Returns, Lightning came 13, back, and then Snow has to come back, right? It's basically thirteen four, yeah. Yeah, thirteen. Okay, yeah. so not even thirteen three. This is thirteen four. Yep. Thirteen four dash. What is this? The fourth expansion, right? So twenty. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Final Fantasy thirteen four dash twenty is what I've been playing, of course, and that is Endwalker, which I have walked to the end. I have finished Endwalker, and. I have many things to say about it, but I'm going to keep it 100% spoiler-free because uh, it's the kind of thing where I think people should play it. Like, people should experience it rather than look it up. Because, uh, And I would hate to um, dive into some story details of someone who's never played Final Fantasy XIV and might be interested in it and go and, you know, knowing where it goes, that would just be cruel. Because, like... Personally, I try not to speak in declarative statements as much as possible, but I feel pretty comfortable in saying that Final Fantasy XIV is now one of the best games of all time. Like, it accomplishes something that I think, like, some games and series specifically have strived for, but never really achieved, in my opinion. Like, okay, for an example, Mass Effect. Don't don't get me wrong, I love Mass Effect. Like, for, for the listeners here, I, I'm wearing a Mass Effect hoodie right now. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. And Bioware did an amazing job like creating a world that you cared about and like characters who matter in it. And, you know, like the overall plots were interesting and they were pretty ambitious in telling an epic story across three games. And for the most part, they nailed it for the first two. But in my opinion, like the third one really drops the ball, like particularly the ending. Like it's really hard to craft a long story. Uh, without getting to the end and then just feeling like everything is just like you're throwing it all together in like kind of pandering ways that's what sure. i felt was wrong with mass effect 3 sure but mass effect also has the issue of having like multiple you know choose your own adventure type stuff so then and it has to bring all of that somehow to a close while also trying yeah, but- to account account for that and you know that that is that is a choice they made and a problem they had to deal with and mm-hmm. you know whether you think they successfully dealt with it or not is you know that's up for debate whereas final fantasy 14 and final fantasy in general is a game that is here is a set storyline maybe you'll get the occasional like i can make a dialogue choice and depending on the game maybe it'll change who i go on a date with or something but besides that it you're working in like a very different field in terms of like storytelling. Sure. But I think even if you like, I, I think it's kind of mutually exclusive. Like I think even if you are considering the diamond shaped thing, the way that they pull everything together at the end, even if like you didn't play the first two games and just made some of the arbitrary choices at the start of three, like being like, Oh, who died on Eden prime? Was it Eden prime? I don't know. Not Eden prime. What, 
What planet did Caden uh, and Ashley? Uh, I don't know. Oh, and oh wow! God. Spoilers for a game that came out this year. Yeah, Mass Effect Legendary Collection. You're it's, just spoiling it. Wow! It's because Ashley died because she's a piece of shit. Anyways. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but um, anyways, like the point being, like yeah. even like the the problem with Mass Effect Three is that it tries to tie everything together in a really pandering way. Like it's, yeah. oh, this throwaway character from Mass Effect One that you saw for twenty seconds came back and is like, do you remember me? Like right, it's like, and that, that and that, that is to be fair, like what a lot of people wanted more of from Mass Effect Three is like, yeah. Like you have somebody who you like talk to once in Mass Effect One. It's like, hey, I remember this decision you made to say yeah. thank you instead of fuck you. Yeah, I appreciated that. And I think, yeah, that's the closest analogy I could, or uh, closest analog I could think of to the scope of a story. Just a long one that has been going ongoing for a long time, and you know has things you care about. Whereas Final Fantasy fourteen, it's like it's legitimately a ten year story. Like it's Trails of Cold Steel. What what is what is that universe, Pat? The all those games? Legend of Heroes. Legend, <laughs> Legend of, of Heroes. Heroes. There you go. Yeah. Legend of Heroes. We're gonna put you yeah. and Sam in a cage match and we're gonna see who comes out on top. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried it. It didn't it wasn't for me. Anyways, Final Fantasy fourteen, it is a ten year story. Like it started mm-hmm. over probably eleven years ago, if you like think about uh 1.0 that you know and it restarted itself essentially and it's one that's just totally replete with like lore and characters and just massive scale conflicts and stuff so Endwalker had the impossible task of pulling it all together into a satisfying ending which i feel like rarely happens and like they totally nailed it in a way that like i've not seen any other game do it which is really things are hard yeah, and they 100% did it. Like, the the thing is, like, you hear about people talking about the trajectory of that series, how A Realm Reborn is kind of a slog, and then Heaven's Word is a high point. Stormblood, it has high points, but, like, overall it's paced pretty poorly. And then you have Shadowbringers, which is generally beloved, you know, pacing problems here and there, but generally beloved. And then, so it overall the trajectory is positive you know with little lulls here and there and people were generally saying yeah for me shadowbringers was a 10 out of 10 i don't know how you can possibly do anything better than that like it seems like they're setting themselves an impossible standard and i would say barring a few issues i had with it like again pacing sometimes wasn't the best but i think it surpasses shadowbringers in almost every way which is crazy like because if I consider Shadowbringers a 10 out of 10, I guess that means I have to consider this an 11 out of 10. Like, they they end, like, they well and truly end the Hydaelyn and Zodiac story, as well as the Science of the Seventh Dawn. Like, they did it, they wrapped it up as perfectly as they could have, and they did it boldly. Like, they did not wimp out on anything. And it's really, really fascinating. Like it's, it's just really cool. They deal with a lot of subjects that I wasn't expecting to go into, like deep talks on depression and like the problems with having empathy and like anxieties and like the actual realities of coping with death of someone you really care about and stuff like that. Like it's, it dives into all that stuff really well. It's yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. I would love to talk about spoilers, but this is neither the time nor the place. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Nice. Uh, so 
did you stick with Summoner through the whole thing? I did. Did yeah. Have have has your opinion on the new rotation changed at all, like mechanically, or right, is it yeah, still like disappointing? Yeah, the original thoughts I had were that they kind of simplified Summoner way too much to the point where it just felt boring. And once you get to level ninety, like once you hit the level cap and you have now the full complement, it's back to being interesting. And it's the summon, okay. like sorry, the uh, not the summoner, the rotation is easy to execute more or less, but it actually does leave you a lot of decision making, like uh, depending on what you want to pull out at any given moment. It's like, oh, you have to deal with a lot more AOE. Okay, I'm going to do this one. So it, you do actually end up getting the choices again. It's just the execution is far easier. That seems, but you only went up ten level. That seems, yeah. But like they each, put a each, lot. Yeah, each level seems probably like, gave you between three and five abilities. Sure, but isn't this a isn't summoner a class you can choose from the beginning or a job you can choose from like level one of the game? Like you can start as a summoner, can't you? Yeah, I don't know how it works from from the start. Uh, well, you the, start as so, an arcanist, so, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So this is like you have to get to like level like thirty or something to be yeah. a summoner. Okay, okay. But even then, like if you have to go from thirty to ninety for it to become interesting, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, that no, seems... I think there was some stuff earlier. It's just I didn't figure out the full rotation until probably closer oh, to okay, eighty-five, okay. eighty-six. Okay, it took you more time. Okay, because I was just gonna say like if they're making you play through like 60 level and they've got like ways to level through jobs quicker and stuff, but they were making you go through like the entire level rotation before you, or, you know, the entire level progression before you can get like an interesting rotation. That would have been kind of crap, but okay. Yeah. Just er early days of going, "What, what the hell is this? Yeah. And once, once you figure it out, it's, it's actually good. It's fine. I would say the okay. old summoner was still more interesting uh, in mm-hmm. terms of just engagement, but the new one is, it's good. It's fine. All but yeah, right. no, the very, very, very few critiques. Like, uh, yeah, again, comfortable saying, and Walker firmly puts it as probably one of the best games of all time, just as a whole. Right, right in line behind Final Fantasy VIII. And Fable, the Lost Chapters. I just wish I, I, I just wish that I found it yep. held up from a gameplay perspective over the long haul. I think that's why I, I would struggle with that kind of a statement about. It. I mean, you, everyone can say whatever yeah. they want yeah. about it. I'm certainly not saying your opinion's invalid, but it's, it's, it's just hard for me because it just it hits a point where I, I just got so bored with the combat and and with mm-hmm. doing hitting the same buttons over and over again that. I I totally think like story is subjective and I can see why people love it and I'm really happy people love it so much, but it's, it's hard for me to, um, to, to continue to kind of lay praise on it when I just found the gameplay to, to, to not hold up from an engagement perspective over the, 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 the sort of long haul. Um, did you, did you end up trying different jobs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all pushing this, pushing number buttons in different orders. So it just kind of, it's, I think again, if it's if that fits, if that's what you're looking for, because you could say, and I'm not out, I'm not saying Tarkov is like <laughs> one of the best games <laughs> of all time or anything. Don't, don't, but we talked about it in this episode, so that's why I'm bringing it up. You could say Tarkov's just shooting. You just click the left yeah. mouse button with different guns. So I I think that like I'm not necessarily making that as an argument to 
it's a vertical of it but it's paper mario's hitting the a button over and over again exactly you can say that with a lot of it's not a good like a great critical argument but it's ultimately why different job classes didn't really work for me to bring that fun back because i was kind of like well i tried different tank classes and it was like well they all are basically about building a resource than burning it it's just differently displayed all the dps classes are largely like they have different kinds of mechanics and rotations but they're still built on the same kind of foundations so it just became hard i guess to stay with it um from a gameplay perspective and then you know the story stuff i'm not i don't want to be too critical of because the fact that it didn't shadowbringers didn't hit for me doesn't really mean anything because it's it's very hard for other people and there's plenty of game stories that hit really hard for me that other people don't enjoy so that's like not even really worth uh being a line of criticism but um i i i i wish i could have found a way to find the game continue to find the gameplay as engaging as a lot of people do for sure i i definitely like the story stuff where you're talking about like oh it's the end of the heidelin and the zodiacs and the end of the scion story i'm like I do not care about Heidelin, like from the stuff I've played. Uh, so it's just like hearing that, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I, think I, don't, story... I don't, I just don't, I don't really care. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, people care about it. Like, yeah, it's for me. I'm now I'm like drawing lines between this and it's, the Snyder cut where I'm just, just like, subjective, you know, it's, it's yeah, just yeah. If, if those 100%. in that story hit for you, I think it's great that they, yeah, that they took it to the places that they did. It, it's, um, it's like the Snyder cut. It's some people are super happy about it and good for them. I watched, I went, you know, I had a few like, uh, you know, endorphin hits when like cool shit happened on screen, stuff blew up. I went, Oh I, yeah, that was pretty sick. I will say and then that I think I that d- didn't care about any of the characters. The quality of storytelling is definitely. Yes. 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 Yeah. Just but, um, like in terms of my experience with like those two things, there is like a very similar, like my reception was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. If people like this, that's fine. But I, don't I also get think it, but okay. what I'm looking for out of it is a lot different than a lot of players because I actually liked Stormblood a lot. That's probably mm-hmm. my favorite of the three expansions that I've played some of. And it's the one that most final fantasy fans would say is the weakest. So, yeah. um, you know, there's just a lot of one of the things that disappointed me the most about Shadowbringers is that I lease is one of my favorite characters, maybe my favorite character. And she's yeah, like, not 100%. In and yeah. so when I realized that, I was like, oh, that sucks. Uh, and uh, a couple of my friends were like, oh, man, it's so good. Lisa isn't in it. She's so annoying. She's the worst character in the game. Fuck them. And I just was like. Y'all are so wrong. Uh, how how, so how could somebody be so wrong? You know, it's just I think that that uh, story was like kind of not really written for my the way the, the sort of stories that I tend to yeah. fall the most in love with, and that's okay. It's it's I'm really glad that people are so high on it, and that it didn't end up being a disappointment because plenty of there were so many opportunities for them to drop the ball and it makes me really happy that they didn't for the people who really like it makes me excited for final fantasy 16 i am excited for that game yeah it should be good even though the clive or whatever they got the guy's name is but good name anyway any any final thoughts on endwalker after we just i was gonna say pretty much Not everything you said everything you said gets addressed 
So, <laughs> but I'm also not going to try and convince anyone. I'm happy. F- is, yeah. I'm happy for you, or I'm sorry that happened. I'm not going to read all that. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, I, I, I think, can't say things without spoiling stuff, so I'm just not going to yeah, say anything. Yeah. At some point, I'll probably give up and ask where things get addressed because people have mm-hmm. been continually saying that to me about Shadowbringers, like all the stuff. And I kept playing Shadowbringers, and they kept saying, "Well, it's about to be addressed," and then it wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, and not you necessarily. I'm talking about like other friends that I've played with and stuff. And so, I am curious at what point the like I had a long conversation with another friend about like these are the things I don't like about Shadowbringers, and they were like, "Well, you just need to get past this quest, and then all that stuff is addressed." And I did, and none of it was like nothing at all was addressed. <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, maybe it's in a few more quests." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so "But again, it's all quit making promises. Stuff. It's, yeah. it's subjective stuff." Um, so at some point, if I don't, I I am interested in probably I'm going to take another run at it at some point, not restarting it or anything, but with my yeah. character where 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 they're at. Um, and if I can't get through it, I definitely will just hit you up I, for the spoilers to ask, like to yeah. figure out where the things that I've struggled with end up getting addressed. Uh, cause, yeah. Cause I, I am, I am interested having put so much time into it this year. I am interested in, in where it goes in the end. Part of me, part of me is wondering if it's just like, you know, weird timing, like right lately I've been into like more actiony yeah, game, like, like, you know, uh, playing a lot of battlefield. I haven't played so much this week. I want to get back to it. I got to do my, new weeklies or whatever but you know playing stuff like that or league or halo or you know whatever i'm playing i'm not playing so much story stuff even though i'm playing like guardians of the galaxy right now but i'm wondering if it's just like i'm not in the space for what final fantasy 14 is putting down and like i'll go back to it and maybe it'll be fine but yeah uh i'm leaving myself open to it but (laughs) there's nothing that is like pulling me in uh, but I'm glad people are happy. Yeah. Uh, but if that's all for Endwalker, then uh, for me this week, I finally got my hands on an Xbox Series S uh, and a Elite controller somehow below like MSRP because the box had like water damage on it, which is like fine. I don't care, whatever. And then also we had like a coupon for the secondhand market where it was sold. So we got it for like just under MSRP, I I, think. I was centimeter, like I was so close (laughs) to signing up for Xbox All Access for Mm -hmm. Series X last week. Mm -hmm. I was like, because if you do All Access, they have different stock for that. Mm, So it's actually Mm. not that hard to get one. If you do All Access, usually you have to wait like a week and a half. Yeah. Um, and you're on a list and then you're guaranteed to get one mm-hmm. with the way that their all access shit works. And I was like finger mm-hmm. on the trigger. And then I was like, no, what am I using this for? Uh-huh. I have a PS five. The only thing that would get played on it is Forza right now. And mm-hmm. is that worth it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the elite controller, it's pretty cool. Cause like uh, using the paddles on the back to shift is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm still like I thought like maybe if I do that that'll like make Forza more fun and I'm still not in love with Forza Five like yeah. Forza Horizon Five. Sort it's of with you, it's so. fun, but it's I don't. It's an. It's I an, just an, don't know what it is. Like also ran. It just you've done it. Kinda I, yeah. I, I played yeah. so much for that. It it. I mm-hmm. don't think I 
uh, yeah, I think I got that experience. And and, and you're doing like I you're doing a lot of other racing stuff yeah, like I racing, and they're different. They're different, but, different, yeah. but you're you're getting your racing fix in other places. Yeah. Whereas I, like this is you know this is like the only racing game I've played in months. And to be honest with you, Forza has more in common with Pokemon than it does with I racing because <laughs> 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 of the because of the car yeah. collection aspect. That's yeah, the, sure. That's more uh, interesting. Yeah, Forza. Um, but. Yeah, so I've played a little bit of that, uh, and Quick Resume makes that nice because I can just like pop it up and go, okay, uh, yeah, I did a race, and I'm gonna bounce over back to something else. Uh, and I've been in the Halo Infinite campaign, which came out like last week. I, still I think, yeah, even touched it. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it seems good. Uh, the so it opens up, and it it is basically it is just like Halo ass Halo level. Like, you know, they start off like, okay, do what they've done, I think, since the first game, which is like the follow the light, look up, look down, look, you know, which is like check your inversion and they just follow whatever you do, which is neat. But uh, yeah, so then you're just like going through linear corridors in a spaceship and doing stuff. Then eventually they do that like two, three missions. Then they kick you out into the open world and give you like. You're like, hey, here's this like zone, and there's some oper- forward operating bases, fobs, and like some icons on a map. Go, I don't know, go do stuff, and you can grapple hook around. Grapple hooks are real cool. It's way better in the campaign than it is in the multiplayer, I think, just because the cooldown's pretty short, and you can just like grab onto trees and you can like throw yourself through the sky. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, I've talked about how I'm not sure that Halo is going to be like for me this year, just because like all my experience, all my fondness for Halo is playing with my friends on LAN. This does not even have co-op campaign, <laughs> which is, uh, still funny to me, but it is, it's at least fun. It's neat doing like going up and clearing out the, uh, the fobs uh, and figuring out like, okay, how do I, what is my strategy? But mostly my strategy is just go in, shoot everybody and get out because they don't really incentivize stealth in any way. In like previous games, like reach, I don't think halo three, maybe halo three had it. They had like a stealth kill where you've got up behind an enemy. You could uh, really just do an execution style kill on them. I, I haven't seen that. In this one? In, in the single player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the you campaign, can, you could do that. You can do it in the multiplayer. You can do an execute, like a canned animation uh, kill? Maybe you can. You can get actually. like, you can get like the back slap or whatever, but that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I'm, not, I'm thinking, I was confusing with Battlefield. <laughs> so I was playing Battlefield. Yeah. Battlefield does have executions, yeah. May, yeah. I, I think there were execution kills. Maybe it was only the sword? I don't, I don't remember. But, Yeah. So it, is, it doesn't have, like, a stealth mechanic, really. Like, you can sneak around and they won't see you and stuff, but there's no, like, uh-oh, I was seen, and now I'm going to go hide, and they're going to go back to wandering around doing their patrols or anything. Uh, so, yeah, that it's it's pretty, like, stock standard Halo, just gives you a little more freedom in those open-world areas to kind of go around and do what you want to do and then it'll be like oh you got to go to the tower 
And that was kind of the first main objective in the open world was go to this tower and figure out how to get inside. And you have to like have a firefight as you try and like find like the generator and then turn on the grav lift, go up inside. You have a boss fight in there. They have like named bosses with like health bars and stuff, which I don't think I've seen in a Halo game before. I don't think so. Uh, And so they've actually like kind of done not a nemesis system, but sort of a nemesis system where they're like, Oh, there's this badass. You can call it that. um, Lawyers. Yeah. Well, yep. Uh, WB's lawyer is coming to get me. The uh, true nemesis system. <laughs> WB's legal team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can go and grab. Or, yeah. So they get like, as you go around, you find inf- like intel on banished is the faction banished like high value targets, I guess. And they're like, oh, this, uh, this elite was known for ta- has killed like countless UNSC uh, soldiers and is super dangerous and then you go and you just like kill them real quick and, or there's like a grunt who's like super dangerous and known for being extremely brutal and I'm like this guy, a grunt really a grunt is okay I guess like grunts are never they're, they're, they're they ain't shit so that stuff's all kind of funny if you care about halo lore are there people who care about halo lore there's a lot of books there must be but so that stuff might be fun oh buddy the only stuff i know is is from that brian david gilbert video people care about all all the halo books yeah yeah Yeah. people are this is a lot of lore that i did not know existed for i've i have never encountered someone who actually cares i've encountered one person in high school who cared about the halo i know several it is yeah people are Horny for Halo lore for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, are they horny for this like new AI's feet? Because the, they got bare feet uh, on this AI. I don't know anybody who has who has admitted to that, but I okay. Well, am assuming I you know you can draw some you can make assumptions sometimes. People, yeah. I feel like if if the question is are people horny for anything, the answer is yes. Especially like, when there's yes. Well, I was, I was, I was addressing these specific people. people. I know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, they're the 100 people horny for Cortana or this Cortana oh. lookalike. That is not definitely not Cortana, but I think it might be Cortana. But they say they are. I don't know. We'll see. I didn't play Halo Five. I don't know what's going on. Kind of do. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It, it seems neat. Uh, I'm going to keep playing, uh, but I don't think it's like an essential, like everybody must play Halo Infinite. It's it's just, it's fine. And it's something fun to play on like, you know, new console. I'm trying to play, like I'm using the Elite Controller and I'm trying to like get used to using the paddles to replace the face buttons. So that way if I go online, I never have to like take my my thumb off the right thumbstick so I can always be aiming. Jumping, aiming, reloading, everything. Always be aiming. ABA. That's Halo yeah. Infinite. I can finally play. <laughs> really, the important thing is I can finally play Fable Two. There you go. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited for you. Good game. Which I I don't think you should build it up in your head too much. It's I've, it's a good sequel to people, Fable. People people have been talking. Oh, I love I love Fable. Yeah, yeah. So, I think you'll really like it. 
but I don't. Yeah. I'm not. Gonna I, say, I like Fable big, Three well enough, but it's not like as a pretty big Fable and Fable Two fan. I'm gonna say Fable Two is um a very good sequel that you'll probably okay. love. I'm not gonna. Okay. T- it is not. I'm not out here to yeah. tell you it's gonna change your fucking life or something. Okay. <laughs> like well, we'll see. It's it's good. It's good. I've just, I've been seeing, uh, I've been sick of people like talking about how great Fable 2 is. I'm like, well, if they just put it on PC, I could play yeah, it. And then I guess it's one of those games that I think people have built up a little yeah. bit too much. Like, Maybe. the way people build up Final Fantasy, I think if Final Fantasy hits for you, then yeah. it actually lives up to that, clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, that Fable is one of those, like, the way people build it up, I think is maybe a little hyperbolic. Peter Molyneux's promises are somehow exactly. alive and well, yeah. but it's a really good game. So I'm excited for you to play it because because it's it's yeah. definitely a a top shelf action RPG. You're a top shelf action RPG. Thank you. I try. I strive every yeah. day to be that for everyone. Goals. Well, uh, next up, we got to go into the news. News. This this week, not not so bad. Mom, we have news at home. Okay, well, uh, make, uh, black, single black coffee. Uh, this week, uh, as we alluded to earlier, Final Fantasy fourteen still, Uba still uh, under under duress, under extreme stress from the success of Endwalker's release, and. Uh, they have the critically acclaimed Final Fantasy fourteen no longer has a free trial up to level sixty, including the Heavensward expansion and restrictions on playtime, uh, because they want people to stop playing this fucking game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the, current, the people, is the people who are playing, many, the people who are too, playing can play. Too yeah. many people want our game, and that's a problem. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's currently not possible to register a new account yeah at all <laughs> jesus christ you can't even buy it right like yeah well it, it's currently <laughs> the starter edition etc are delisted on steam and yeah. uh, apparently they've also they're preventing retailers or something from selling the physical copies or something maybe they're they're not re- letting people redeem keys or something i don't know how that works oh yeah but it looks like there's also uh They've been putting like on on various platforms. There have been uh, Square Enix games on sale, so it's like play these yeah. games, not this game. Play these instead. Yeah. Please. Give us money for this, but not that. And it's like, yeah, Final Fantasy VIII only ten dollars. Go play it. Yeah, time but compression, baby. It's such a fascinating um, trajectory that has been taken there between being a critically panned and like the audience hating that game and just everyone hating the original to now it's mm-hmm. literally the most popular thing in the world and you can't play it if even if you wanted to for some people yeah that that sucks for you know for yeah uh it's it sucks that you know that they're having so many server issues and people are like unable to play for whatever reason people have weird schedules like if you know if your only time you can play is based on in like the busiest hours for the game or whatever that's a bummer especially if you end up getting error 2002 which apparently dates back to the original 1.0 release of the game yep so (laughs) 
the curse is just I don't know, it's permeated through the eras, apparently. It's super fun. But yeah, so there's people in queues would get this error like 2002 and it would just boot them out of the boot them out of the queue and they'd have to requeue. I think it was something like when the like, queue itself was like bananas. Like the, the I yeah. I I've, I've yeah. seen some some of the queue numbers where I'm like, "Oh, it's yeah. like it's bad." Yeah, yeah, it's like something like I I personally haven't been affected by it too much being on the Japanese servers um and playing in the middle of their night for the most part. Like yeah. the highest queue I've seen is like 50 whereas like my friend Amy and her crew, uh, they post screenshots of queues in like 5,000, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or above. And yeah, I guess the 2002 era or whatever shows up when there's like over 40,000 concurrence on a given server or something. And then like a large number of them are pounding on the queue or something. I don't exactly know what it was, but it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, at some point they can't handle it and it just kind of puts yeah. everybody out. <laughs> that's brutal uh but it sounds so my understanding was that this helped them like understand the cause and like now they can address it i don't think like they this can this whole it. experience oh they can't okay <laughs> i, I thought this was can. like okay we've understood now this I, gives I, us I, like I, I, like I, it, you know maybe not immediately but like this is something we can like oh, maybe now begin to like yeah, yeah this is something I, like we can we can figure out and like remove from the game and like Maybe. as time goes on, we can like troubleshoot it and extract it and make sure nothing else breaks. Yeah. I uh, think their, their current method of addressing it is not, not letting new people play the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like, uh, there's enough buzz that I don't think it's actually going to hurt them in the long run. No, I don't <laughs> so. it, It's, it's, it's suffering from success. Like, but if you read Yoshi P's uh, letters that he's been writing, like addressing it, like he's written like three or four of them now. And he always comes across as just an extremely sincere individual. And mm-hmm. like, they've been very upfront. Like they've been saying exactly what's been going wrong. Uh, like yeah. what stuff they want to do to fix it, but they can't like, cause uh-huh. they literally, the, it's like yeah. the semiconductor thing, right? Like it's, there's nothing they can do about it, but they're trying. You can't build new um, servers. You, yeah. yeah. And like they've been pretty generous about giving people game time as well. Like I think they've given about three weeks of game time as compensation yeah. already. They, they can afford it. Uh, and maybe this will so. allow, this will stave off square shuttering another Western studio. <laughs> Crystal dynamics can live to make another game because final fantasy 14 sold a lot of expansions. Ido's still square. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they did. They Eidos did Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I think so. Think, was right? it Eidos Montreal? I, they, I yeah. think so. Yeah, and then Crystal Dynamics is supposedly putting out another roadmap for Avengers, like soon. Huh. It might be after the holidays or right before the holidays. I can't remember. Uh, we're but we're right there, so I don't know. But yeah, so I'm surprised they're like actually putting something out so soon and like saying, "Hey, we're putting out a roadmap," but maybe people are getting worried. But yeah, I have no other information on that. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. It seems like it's here to stay. Uh, next up, things that may or may not be here to stay. At least not oh, here God. to stay in Stalker two. NFTs are coming to Stalker two. 
breaking news, NFTs are not coming to Stalker 2. I love love the bit in the middle that you left out, though, where they were like, oh, "Oh, we're adding adding NFTs to this game. And then everyone shit on them. And then they're like, but guys, NFTs are going to be great for this game. And they put out this really long message being like, oh, but it's so great. And we're doing it in a very environmentally friendly way. And it's so good. And And then like, like within two hours, it was like, we've heard you and we're not doing NFTs anymore. Thanks. Yeah. Which is clearly, and, we, we cannot list this on Steam, so thanks. And also, <laughs> and also, they said, we will, like, make the best game for you no matter what the cost or something, which is definitely a red flag to me of, like, all right, I guess since we can't put NFTs in there, make some money, we're just going to pay people dog shit and make them work yeah. 80 hours a week. I, I don't know if that's really what will happen. Hopefully it won't be, but... <laughs> It was a weird line to add. To uh, so their yeah. their like weird bullshit was like become like an NPC, like metaverse, yeah. meta human or something. Yeah. And like, why is that an NFT? Like, if I sell that to Buzz someone words. else, do they be- do well, they become the meta human? The reason like it's, it's an NFT. The reason that it is an NFT is because people. That means that you can sell it to other people that you convince to buy into the Ponzi scheme. So, like, if it were just a hey, put a buy the the thousand yeah. dollar edition of the game, and you get to be an an NPC in the game, which is something that has been yeah happening with games like for Kickstarters a and now. yeah. Um, instead of that, it's yeah. But if we do it this way, then the person can resell it to somebody else that they can sucker into buying it for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, we can sell it to them. We can sell it to a crypto bro for fifteen grand instead of a thousand, sure. and then they'll sell it to somebody else. And you know. Oh, That's the, the the, no, the, the I mean, around. yes, yes, that that it makes sense. But what I is, is the functional. So you you buy this NFT to become an NPC in the game. If you sell that NFT, does the person you sell it to now get to like make have themselves become an NPC and replace that NPC in the game? Like what are that's the part where I'm like, okay, what was your thought process here? Do I own this this other? Do I own Pat's likeness as a as a stalker two NPC if I buy his NFT from him? Like, what is what even is that bullshit? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we won't think, know because yeah, it's not happening. I, I I I do think as like a I don't I can't remember if I've said this before, but like people really need to stop using the environmentally friendly, like destroying the environment Mm -hmm. angle on NFTs because Mm -hmm. one, there are much more energy efficient blockchains that are becoming more and more popular, which is um, probably a good thing because it doesn't seem like it's going away and it maybe will lead to less environmental devastation, even if I don't like Like, the whole thing. Even if, yeah, but I think this is probably where you're getting, but like, even if you take all of the environmental aspects out of it, it yes. doesn't need to be an NFT. Like <laughs> and, and and just NFTs in general are right. still a pyramid like, scheme. So yeah, I think yeah. people need to to focus like, on that angle when they're it, arguing about it on Twitter. <laughs> it's like this what is an NFT doing for this use case that a serial number could not do? Right. Like, it, yeah. It's like even if you, you know, you know, they come up with the way to do it completely environmentally friendly, which, you know, I know that some places have argued that i don't know the basics of that more but even even if you like say okay we found a we did it like what does an nft offer that 
you couldn't do literally any other other way. Like I've seen people say like, oh, in the future, you know, everybody's going to be using NFTs for everything, like boarding passes for planes and stuff. It's like, well, what does that offer rather than just doing it? Yeah, like a serial code or just like a norm, the current system we have other than just making it overly complicated. Yep. It, it's just so, so bizarre. I, I will uh, say, Stalker 2, those screenshots that they put out. Looks fucking, good. Fucking, if that's actually, I'm skeptical that that's actually screenshots of that game. That game looks yeah, out of this world. If that's what the game looks like, then I'm going to, to play it for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like Stalker. So yeah, like, I played almost the entire Stalker earlier, just a couple months ago, and it's it's a very good game. Uh, yeah, it, it looks neat. Uh, I'm curious about. I'm still more curious about Atomic Heart, but uh, you know, maybe I'll see something from Stalker and be like, oh, okay, I get it now. It also uh, I, Atomic Heart looks good too. Yeah, I but I I, I really wonder what was behind that quick like double down and then wait no sorry i'm trying to get it removed <laughs> if we're not putting nfts yes. in the game like how to delete a trending like that was such a <laughs> such a quick turnaround from the double down to the apology I, and the i i do legitimately believe it was because they realized they wouldn't be able to send sell it on steam maybe uh, like that very would, very possible I'd it's very, very possible that, to bet. that they got uh Notice from somebody even at Valve that was like who saw it that was like yo FYI uh-huh. yeah or at Microsoft I don't know I mean yeah like at Microsoft so Microsoft Microsoft's got said, that don't no, fuck this um, yeah they haven't as far as I know they haven't made any public statements about NFTs but if if I were I I uh, think Phil Spencer has said something I think this if, game if is I, out in April Jesus I, there's no way. I, I'm very skeptical skeptical about a lot of stuff about that game, but you know, I hope it comes out and it looks as good as it does in the screenshots uh, and that it plays well. Uh, so Phil Spencer is on the record saying we don't want that kind of content, uh, and he says NFTs are more exploitative, uh, more exploitative, exploitative than about entertainment. So yeah, Phil Spencer not a fan yeah. of NFTs. I mean, uh, it's also if I were Microsoft, I would be like. Fuck no, that is yeah. big money that we can't take a slice of. So mm-hmm. yeah, 100%. Um, no, thank you. Uh, like the, a real use of NFTs would be, which will never happen, would be like on Steam or, or using the blockchain would be like Steam or, you know, Microsoft, Sony letting you have games like on, you know, your ownage of the game on the blockchain or whatever. And then you could, sell it to someone else and sell used games that way they're never going to allow that well and but i think that would be a way to do it and and you know more than me alex but the thing that that causes the problem we talked about this a little bit with video with ubisoft nft thing the only way that would work is if steam offered some kind of infrastructure to recognize the transfer of ownership and work that into their ui oh yeah yeah, they could do without the blockchain being involved yes. in the first place. So, yep, that's true. Um, the benefit they get from doing it with blockchain is theoretically um, the just basically the log 
right? Like mm-hmm. the the log that has been verified. Like it's as long as this thing has existed, they will have the log from its inception to current, and like be able to right. see every step in between, and then be a hundred percent guaranteed that it has been verified by like uh, and yeah. and number of sources. You don't get people duplicating TFT T or TF two AirPods or whatever, but earbuds and and theoretically. Theoretically, it could help prevent things like um, getting a, like again. My friend Amy, her account, her Final Fantasy account, got fished two days ago, mm. and she has not been able to log in. And like she's talked to support, she's you know like been able to prove it's her and all this kind of stuff, but she still can't get into it. And theoretically, an NFT could help with that. I do wonder if would certainly be harder but in a lot of these applications for things like that i do wonder if part of the reason the blockchain these blockchains seem or are so very secure is because it is still not as profitable to target them as it is Mm -hmm. to target less secured systems Mm -hmm. yeah so to be to be fair, there have been crypto heists and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's so, what I mean. Is like, is I think if we moved to a future where everything was done with NFTs, we would just yeah. be fighting a security battle around those again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that it would be harder than it is to 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 hack things now. But I doubt it would be impossible. Uh, yeah. It seems like every five to ten years there are massive security advancements that seem like they're yes. never going to be broken down and then they're broken down so i don't know the whole yes. thing is, is very silly to me and you know yeah hope, i'm glad that the sustainability aspect of it seems to be improving on some level um because it's clear that it's not going away anytime soon and i would rather it be less destructive but it is still a pyramid scheme so, and it, yeah it's it's better to be stupid and non-destructive than stupid and destructive yeah. For sure. Uh, I just, the part of the reason when people talk about, not that I think anyone on this podcast has made like arguments in favor of this, but when people have talked about applications like you're talking about, Andre, that would be useful. Part of the reason that the only thing that NFTs are traded in is really like JPEGs and audio files and stuff is because. Weird monkeys. Yeah, because those things don't require, they are just JPEGs. They are just like convertible and portable files. You, yeah. As soon as you're relying on the infrastructure of a, another program mm. to to like support your NFTs, yeah, it, it defeats the whole purpose in my mind because it's yep. it's oh one hundred percent. They could just do it <laughs> without. Yeah, no, there is being there is no so, way that like Sony or Nintendo or Microsoft or Steam or whoever will actually like allow like use game sales like you know will actually do that for numerous reasons. Uh, and right. if they they could do it on their own if they really wanted to, and they don't yeah. want to, like we could have had this years ago. But yeah, I will say before we leave the subject, the most baffling one for me: Have y'all seen NFT meals? No. <laughs> there's like a it's like a big thing in with restaurant chains applebee's has one i thought i saw an arby's oh. one um it's no. like nfts the the idea is that you get like an nft of food it's like drawn by specific artists and stuff sometimes it's stylized sometimes it looks applebee's? very realistic yeah oh and you're getting I like see the applebee's food one. nfts it's wait so fucking wild it's not even mm. i get the profile picture thing as stupid as i think it is i understand how people were like i'm gonna buy this 
stupid ape and and make it my profile picture <laughs> i think it sucks so but ugly. like to some so, extent i understand it but this right is, to like if i i feel like i would understand it more if if i thought any of those nfts were actually um aesthetically pleasing Yes. You know, I've, I'm you know with you. it's like so, it's like one of those things where it's like I, yeah. I wouldn't be for it, but I would understand, you know, I mean, as somebody that has, you know, bought art prints before, you know, it's like it's it's it's, it's tempting in theory to do that, but they're just ugly. But mm. now it's like, oh, yeah, do you want to own the Applebee's NFT? And I guess somebody <laughs> did because they sold. So it's so strange. Like. Okay, I have a couple thoughts on it. First, it's like, when do we get a Chili's Bloomin' Onion NFT? Cause, okay, you know, now that, I'm on that, board. That, that, that one seems fine. I get that. Um, but, like, it's just... Okay, for one thing, it kind of... I don't know if you guys ever noted or cared about this, but who was that artist that kept drawing olives? Um, no idea. I, I, don't, I don't know, a Godart or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I like don't remember their those, name, but yeah. Yeah, Godard. There we go. Godard. And um, like his whole shtick was painting olives doing various things. Like, oh, look, at, here's an olive that's pole vaulting with its stick. And like, uh, here's a bunch of olives in this martini glass, but the martini glass is flying through the sky. Like it, it was just all this art that was just, in my opinion, dumb, but selling for like millions of dollars. Yeah. And this was in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And that seemed mm-hmm. dumb. And now this is just, it's come back, but in a and whole new way, stupider way. And the art sucks l- a lot of the part. At least with the physical art trade. And I understand that at the end of the day, there's a lot of parallels, mm-hmm. but at least with the physical art trade, there is a physical object. Sure. And you can yeah. say definitively, all you have is a picture of it. You know, right. Like, and there's like, yeah, at, I mean, there's issues with the art trade, but like at the end of the sure, day, yeah. like, yeah, you do have the physical object. There is. It's not uh, causing vast environmental decay. It's for the most part, um, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it. The, you're, you're and also for the, from what it seems like most of those are actually supporting the artists like now i know that like you know the aftermarket of um old art it's you know just kind of shuffling money around but if you buy a print from an artist or you buy an art piece from an artist they are getting that money whereas with nfts that's variable because like i've seen stolen art yeah there's a lot of stolen art in nfts there's a lot of it, it it's um i've seen uh i i've been following a lot more of the art community recently and there have like there have been multiple like tutorials of like here's how you protect your art from nft theft and it's like it sucks that that has why to do be we need thing. that yeah. yeah yeah but you can't do that with like a physical painting and, or and i think the physicality of physical art i agree with you alex that that some of that stuff is kind of stupid but that artist can pump out those paintings of olives and find buyers for them. But it's like they got to paint the olives. They got to set the the art auction date. People have to show up for the auction. They have to bid their bid. They have to receive it. And then they have to store it. There's steps along the way that sort of limit the, the velocity 
of sure. the, the f- there's physical limitations that limit the velocity of money being wasted, I guess. And yeah. um, whereas with NFTs, I see, I look at it because I, I guess because I hate myself, I don't know. But sometimes I dip into like NFT Twitter and it's literally people who are like, you know what? I think this drop is going to do well. And then they get a thousand replies that are like, well, if he's saying it, we got to buy because it's just that person is like a a crypto influencer. And so they've like kicked off the pyramid scheme. And then a week later, they'll be like, I'm not so sure about it. I know I said I was bullish on him, but I don't know. And then immediately the the prospective value, things that aren't even out yet haven't even been released the prospective value of a thing that is all about prospective value goes down before it's even available to purchase because one influencer said actually it's not going to be worth that much because it's not about the art at all it's just about no. like what are people going to pay for it so it's just fucking wild yeah. to watch it's I that can't is a lot know. of olives um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like i don't know i i, I think uh, pretty early on in the nft space there was a lot of like talk of like oh this is going to be another way for artists to monetize which like as as you know somebody that follows a lot of that there's an interest there but i don't know wait did i accidentally no you're no no you're good yeah i I wondered if i accidentally exited out of uh out of discord there (laughs) uh but yeah no but uh, but i i feel like there increasingly like there are still some people who do um nft art but like increasingly i feel like people who are in like artists are just like this is um openly hostile to art when like yeah you can say a lot about the actual physical art market but you know at the end of the day i feel like there's still a lot of love for the actual art involved even if there's still a lot of rich people shoveling money around um which i don't get from the nfts like from that community i don't get like i am doing this because i love art Mm -hmm. i don't know I feel like it's a, this weird, I agree. And I think it's a weird combination of the kind of prevalence of FOMO culture. Like people yeah. feel like they need to be involved. I think it's that. I think it's people that are looking for the next get rich quick scheme. Like they're looking mm-hmm. for their, their way to, you know, buy into something. And, I mean, it's people who you know, thought it's people who think, man, I wish I had bought, I I'd gotten into Bitcoin, you know, 10 11 years, years ago, ago. Yeah. yeah right and i wish i would have gotten in on the ground floor if i had i could have gotten rich but it's like you know it, it this 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 will always happen there will always be something that's the new the new hotness that people think if i just get into this then i can easily make a bunch of money like i've seen a lot of comparisons between nfts and beanie babies but like yep. you know it's almost you, as if we just reconfigured our society so people didn't constantly have to think about the best way to get rich. Well, we would be a much more productive <laughs> and happier society. <laughs> that makes too much sense, Pat. That's, yeah. And it's too complicated for this conversation. Yep. Yeah. It's just, well, we just need that Star Trek future, baby. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be real. F- uh, there's probably already Star Trek NFTs, actually. Anyways, Andre, this has been a great, great, lighthearted news section, like you were saying. We've got got good news. Uh, Video games, 
yeah has nice. the first has gained their first union uh Woo! in in the industry uh first like video games in uh, union specifically you know, there have been like writers unions and video game writers in writers unions, et cetera. But uh, Vodio, Vodio Games, uh, yeah. what did they make? Uh, Vodio Games unionized. Only major release is Beast Breaker. Beast so Breaker. It's, it's not a large studio. Yeah, they're they're a small studio, but they they have officially unionized, and I believe they're. Like manager came out and was like, yeah, I, I supported them unionizing or like the head of the studio or whatever it was, like, you know, came out and said they supported the union, which is good to see. Uh, yeah, it, like, you know, small studio, hard to say too much, but it's they are. It's yeah, it's yeah. a precedent. It's a good first step. And it shows like, you know, at least maybe smaller studios that they can. Um, get involved or, you know, they can start to unionize. There've been a lot of like different, like, uh, you know, shorter work weeks or co-op structure, different structures, uh, different things in the indie space, but unions uh, would go a long way to helping some of the larger studios in the space. And I think it's really interesting. Um, Secretary Marty Walsh, if anybody saw that, he's one of the members of the U.S. Uh, he's the U.S. Secretary of Labor, actually mm. uh, picked up on that article and was like, hey, congratulations. Like, th- we should start seeing this all across industries, and I'm glad to see the video game industry is doing it. So, yep. like here, I'll, yeah. I'll send a tweet to our group chat, and then I'll add it to the that's, show notes if we want. That's cool. Really yeah, cool. I, I, I did see yeah. that. Uh, fucking someone in the... Oh, Biden Jesus. administration doing something good. I commend the Vodio Games. Oh, oh, never mind. Vodio Games, the company. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Was, it was. I, I sort of read that. Thought I was going to say I commend the Vodio Games industry. <laughs> 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 that would be very funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But oh, really ho- cool. and hopefully and this is a sign of more things to come. And uh, Activision Blizzard King Workers Union coming up any day now. Come on. Let's do Any it. day. I do, <laughs> I do think it is interesting. You would think that Marty Walsh would at least be aware of the lawsuits against ABK. I don't know that he's not. I mean, know? it's a it's a huge. I mean, they make a lot of money, right? So, like, they're a big yeah. company. Yeah. So they've got federal lawsuits against them. So. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting to me. I wonder how much I'm sure he's genuinely congratulating this company, but I also wonder how much oh, it is like, hmm, yeah, cool. Video games should probably unionize, huh? <laughs> then maybe there wouldn't be. You know, I don't know if he's thinking that far. I don't know if it's match, but I don't it's know. Interesting. If, I don't know if someone in public office would be able to say that when there's ongoing that's, litig- litigation going on. Uh, that's why I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Is, A- Alex, is, did you learn nothing over the past five years? <laughs> I guess Fair. what I'm saying is clearly Fair. he could not he could not say anything about what's yeah. what's going on there and it's an interesting nod if only because I'm surprised that this news would have yes. penetrated to someone at the White House given how small of a developer it is mm. um yeah. and mm-hmm. so I I think what it shows to me is that he or someone on his staff is paying attention to the industry and 
it would be hard for me to imagine that that wouldn't be in part because of what's happening at Activision Blizzard. And is it, is it uh, that, so that it's interesting? Is it that vaping senator who got ousted for <laughs> no for no, for buying video games? Shit about he is an, not a union guy. No, <laughs> uh, video games only like thirteen people uh, yeah. at the studio. Yeah, so, so it's not a big studio, yeah. but it again, it's it's more about it's the still good stuff. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. And hopefully, Activision Blizzard's next. They're right on the cusp. Yeah, and do it. Uh, there's been there's been a lot of stuff surrounding that. By the way, I don't know if you've been seeing. I have. It's 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 too hard to follow. It's, like what's actually new and what's just like people memeing and like uh, you know the like what what is the actual news out of it and like movement and what is just it's still going on. Check out Jessica Gonzalez's Twitter a little bit. Oh, and you I, can see you I'm, can see I'm following her and I you, I'm like is this just a meme? Are you unionized now? What is happening? No, like the thing is like there's a bunch of like basically astroturfing going on of like yeah uh people saying they work at activision blizzard trying to like mm. take it over it's basically union busting but over social media yeah. it's really mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. it's really yep. weird oh yeah yep amazon 100%. did a lot of that too during the uh unionization yeah. efforts at that warehouse yeah uh well we've got a couple light stories here uh new ps5 covers and dual sense colors D-brand. are coming. Uh, no, well, also not D brand. I mean, <laughs> D brand has yeah, D brand has their own yeah. different shaped cover yeah, uh, with like yeah. f- with, fan with, holes, with ventilation. Yeah, <laughs> and a Sony is just you know same same stock shape, but you can get it in like a blue, a red, a black. I was I surprised another color. That people were surprised at the price. Like I saw the price and I was like, yeah, yeah that's what I. I they're they're right. cheaper. They're yeah. cheaper than the D brand ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, the like D brand ones have some stuff, more stuff in them. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah. they're they're there's more R and D there, uh, yeah. and whatnot. But yeah, it's. I mean, the colors are nice. Uh, I don't care enough to like. No, I don't either. Buy. I am. I still want to like three D print like Han Solo and Carbonite. Put that That'd on my pretty great. <laughs> put that on my PS5. I am tempted a little bit by the that ostentatious uh hot pink dual sense, but it's I don't know. I don't good. think I'll go for it. It is yeah. it is so loud and bright that I'm kind of like I kind of love it's it. It's cool. <laughs> I just I, I know a bunch of people who are like what are they, fifty five bucks, I think? And fifty oh. I think fifty. 50 ish. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I thought you meant the dual sense, and I was like, no, 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 no. those are like the, 75. The, yeah, uh, the, I know some people who are like $55 for they're just pieces of plastic you stick on, and I can't believe they're charging that much. It's like, have you bought a phone case in the last 10 years? Like, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I saw that, and I was like, that's oh, a okay. lot of money to like people charge a lot. Should they? I don't know. I'm sure that their margins <laughs> on those side plates are incredible, but like, hard, like. <laughs> or like a powdered plastic is pretty expensive no matter where you buy it now from companies Mm -hmm. um and so i'm not surprised that they weren't that much if anything i'm surprised that you that they're not a 100 bucks to be honest yeah i I mean there are going to be a cottage industry of like cheap covers that you can get places so whatever or hey take it off and paint it yourself if you don't want to spend that much money well figure it out get an air get an airbrush and go to town the people who are actually going to buy those things 
they'll pay probably just about the ceiling for what they'll pay for that is probably pretty high because Maybe, yeah. like if you're willing to pay 50 bucks for side panels you're probably willing to pay more than that too yeah uh, you're there for the weird. aesthetic like yes. yeah um you're there so it looks good on like your streams or or when you have people yeah. over or whatever I- I wonder if this opens the door to them selling like a red PS5, a, a blue PS5, and just like buy it with I the would... buy it with the cover on. And yeah. I, I don't have a PS5, but if I had about a hundred extra dollars to spend on top of having a PS5, I would make a uh, Neapolitan one. <laughs> I mean, when you talk about custom ones, like a Han Solo one, I think that's when you start to like, it makes a lot of sense. Even the D brand ones, like I'm not going to do it cause I don't display my PS five. It's behind my TV. Yeah. Um, but it could but, be, could be good to get that extra airflow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, whenever yes. I say behind my TV, I feel like I also have to preface, like say very clearly there's tons of airflow back there. It's not like sure, shoved sure, up sure. against a wall. Um, but, uh, the D brand ones are, um, between the airflow and the leds and stuff on them i can those make more sense to me but i don't know at the same time i I have a d-brand phone case and it's fine but the they're like um the like decal i guess i would say like the the the, like thing that you apply the sticker that you put over it it sucks i don't like it Mm -hmm. at all um it's got a lot of bubble air bubbles and stuff in it and not a lot Mm -hmm. it has it has just enough air bubbles to be frustrating um and so I don't know. They're fine. They they make their plastic is good, but uh. mm-hmm. well, yeah. So if you're interested in that, you can go to like Sony's website. I don't know some web some websites, some stores will have them. But uh, yeah, that's that'll be available in the new year. Also, a uh, quick news story: Tencent has acquired another game studio. Consolidation continues with Turtle Rock, creators of yeah. Left 4 Dead, and most more recently, Back for Blood. And Evolve, everyone's favorite. Evolve. I, I like Evolve is my favorite Turtle Rock video game. <laughs> I didn't play enough of it to say that, but I did I did like Evolve. I liked that game quite a lot. Yeah, and I do not particularly like Back for Blood, and I don't like Left 4 Dead as much as a lot as most people. Is is Back for Blood super, or Left 4 Dead super popular in China? Like I don't know. No idea. I don't, I don't, I don't think Tencent is limiting themselves to that kind of stuff. It's true. Uh, so yeah, but you know, consolidation of the industry continues. Uh, uh, if as long, you know, if it helps Turtle Rock keep afloat and keep making stuff, that's good. I, it was a while since Evolve came out, and between Evolve and Back for Blood, right? Yeah, so yeah, long time. years and years, several and years. years. Um, I it's similar news. Um, it it was also announced this week that. Um, uh, Embracer Group purchased Asmodee, which is one of right. the world's largest board game mm-hmm. producers and right. owners of Fantasy Flight Games, um, who we've talked about on this podcast before. So that that was the even more interesting acquisition to me this week mm-hmm. because uh, <clears throat> Fantasy Flight has some interesting licenses for <laughs> Embracer Group to pick up. I, I, it doesn't mean that uh, Embracer, Embracer Group has some interesting licenses for Fantasy Flight to use. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Um, the, yeah. the back and forth there could be, you know, I, yeah, could, I mean, maybe you could make a pretty cool Saints Row board game. I don't know. <laughs> Darksiders, I, the board Fantasy game. Fantasy Flight is like Arkham Horror and stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. And Star Wars. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. 
I mean, I don't think that that means that they get some yeah. ability to make Star Wars video games. That's different, completely different yeah. licensing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting that, and also Fantasy Flight is a company that has consistently kind of just repeatedly shoots them in themselves in the foot over and over and over again <sighs> with their kind of ongoing games. Um, the only one that I think is in really good place is Marvel Champions, which continues to be really good. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's just an interesting thing to see. Uh, we'll see how it. I think it's going to. Much as I'm fifty fifty on my opinions on Embracer Group, uh, I actually think this is probably one of the best things that could have happened for Fantasy Flight specifically because Asmodee has been a very poor owner, uh, not handled most of their engagement with Fantasy Flight's catalog and community well at all. So. Um, I think Embracer Group is a little more has their finger on the pulse of what people actually want a little bit more, even if sometimes that means going to 4chan to do fucking or 8chan, whatever, to do Q&As mm-hmm. uh, with yeah, Nazis. Right. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> almost uh, forgotten about that. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out to Mark. <laughs> you know what I didn't realize until this week? I thought Embracer Group was like a shell company that was set up with capital to purchase thq nordic but it's actually just to change their name to embracer group yep yep i didn't realize that it was as simple as a name change yeah yeah they they're just embracing everything but uh yeah so we'll we'll see how that stuff uh continues let's see and last there was an indie indie world showcase out of nowhere this Uh, week i know i legitimately had no idea I didn't I see had it no idea. People were, I saw people talking about it, and I was like, what? There's an Indie <laughs> World Showcase. But yeah, there's some Indie World uh, Showcase. I, I recommend checking those out because I feel like they usually show off some really good games. Um, uh, definitely some stuff that I'm interested in. I actually picked up one of those uh, Shadow Dropped games called uh, Dungeon Munchies, which looks very... Um, uh, like, it could be kind of fun of... Uh, dungeon crawling with also cooking so we'll see oh, uh, but so yeah that sounds one. that sounds kind of similar to like battle chef brigade yep that's why i bought it because i was like <laughs> is this like giving me it, it, it the trailer definitely gave me battle chef brigade vibes which is cool. good because i really liked that game yeah um, game but yeah there's some other cool games in there some uh indie beloved indie games that are coming to switch um i'm excited for ollie ollie world which is the skateboarding yeah. game that i like i've liked other games in that series so yeah just They're check hard. it out if you like indie oh i know i'm bad at them <laughs> yeah and then there's a um uh an indie jrpg from the group of the from the messenger um that team oh. that nice. yeah, as a prequel nice. to that and it looked pretty good so i'm ex- i'm excited Give that a shot. It's weird that they made a prequel to the messenger because, because of like the way that game is set. Is that sea of stars? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The way that game, like the story in that game goes, it's weird that they made a prequel and it seems like a sequel. I feel like the end set up a sequel. I can't remember exactly, but that's, that's weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like a completely different style of game. Yeah. I also saw Amori is going to be coming there. Yep. Um, which is great. There was, yep, Amori is coming, which I've been wanting to play. Um, so uh, there's a 
uh, visual novel slash rhythm game after love EP, which looked really, which looked really interesting and something I wanted to play. And um, uh, Chicory is coming, uh, came to switch rather. Uh, so a lot Auto of, drop. let off. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff that's coming on. There's a, a point and click train uh, mystery game, which I'm like, Ooh, intrigued, but like, like a mystery like, on a train or a mystery about yeah, trains. Oh, okay. Mystery on a train where you where you solve a uh it's a detective game on a train. It's called Locomotive and I am like how has not how hasn't that been a title for a game before? But it looked cute. If you want mysteries about trains, may I recommend Friends at the Table, the most recent season. There's some weird train shit going on there. But yeah, uh, it's real, so, real good. So, yeah, definitely something to check out if you're also um, somebody that uses your Switch as, as a lot of, for a lot of indie titles and some cool stuff that was showing on there. All right. Well, it is it is late for me. It is 2.17 a.m., which means I am going to end this podcast because... In the middle of middle of this, we maybe accidentally planned a D and D game. Yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know if this is actually going to happen. Yeah, but we'll we'll figure this out. This weekend, but okay, well, okay. Well, then maybe we didn't. So okay, we got another hour. Let's just keep going. Let's keep this train rolling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, everyone, thanks for joining me uh, on episode two hundred three on December seventeenth. 2021 i have been your host andre cole aka the wet gamer aka your p- partner's favorite h john benjamin role you can find me on twitter at cool slaw c-o-o-l-s-l-4-w or on twitch twitch.tv slash cole slaw c-o-l-e-s-l-4-w <laughs> you got there it's like what do i gotta say uh pat where can people find you you can find me desperately searching for salewa med packs in the woods map just now, you're gonna like get, you're gonna get to all the all our tarkov listeners are gonna like swarm to that spot and find you and just harass you it's that's not how it works it's not how the matchmaking works relax it's gonna be fine oh, i'll bring my say friends so. uh, and you can find Al- me on pjc plays on twitter allison you can find me on twitter at w-r-i-t-e-r-s-e-r-e-n-y-t-y and Alex. You can find me looking through the hashtag FF14 Endwalker spoilers tag because now I'm free to look at that. Okay, I saw The Matrix and I now I need people with bigger brains than me to watch it and write about it so I can read about it and be like, oh, I see. I'm very excited. To t- I got to see Spider-Man so, before you, but you got to see The uh, Matrix before me. Mm-hmm. But I got to see the Matrix before you because you made a choice, or was it the illusion of choice? Isn't it out now? I thought no, it came out today. No. It's out next okay. Oh, okay, it comes out. It's oh wait, what? Really? I thought it was out today. Yeah. No, it's no, out. It's out. It's, no. I guess it's out early in Japan, but it's, Aha. it's ah. uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I again, I I have literally the earliest uh, ticket okay. I can get, and it's next Wednesday. Yeah, I might get the a Wednesday ticket myself. I was just like, I can't wait. Oh, I'm somewhat so. of a Wednesday ticketer myself. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me fucking started. 
<laughs> I fucking January fucking seventh. I know. Uh, like why? Uh, Sony is a Japanese company. What the fuck are they doing? Uh, it's, it's ridiculous because that movie has so much in it that can be spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's it. They should not be yeah. doing this. To I'm you. I as someone who does not give a fuck about the MCU, I'm interested in seeing that movie because of my affection for the original. Yeah, yeah I, I'll I'll DM you some stuff because I that uh-huh. yeah. sure. Um, I'm not spoiler there, to that. Yeah. Uh, next week is Christmas uh, when we would normally be recording uh, so we'll probably do something different maybe it'll we'll be see. weird or maybe it'll be late I don't know uh, yeah, we will we'll figure something out uh, but until then thank you for joining us as always love to have you here listening to us talk about random bullshit <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week well maybe we'll be back next week <laughs> We'll be back in some capacity. We'll, we'll be we'll be yeah. back eventually. We'll, at some we'll be point. somewhere. You can Even find if us. I have to on just the record myself talking about something. Singing jingle bells, singing jingle bells on loop for forty minutes. I will not do that. However, I will. I don't know. You know, I'll just I'll talk about some obscure. I'll I'll walk you through the startup procedure for a P fifty one Mustang. How about no? That? How about how about you walk <laughs> us through Coheed and Cambria? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to need more than one episode for that. <laughs> the Coheed and Cambria lore, much more complicated than the startup procedure for a P51 Mustang. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I, I have been thinking, like, should I get into Coheed and Cambria? Like, actually into Coheed is, and yes. Cambria? And, but um, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have the constitution for that. You do. It's but we'll, we'll see. It's, I'm, it's I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, There's one anyway. comic book you can. One comic series they find that's. Okay. Well, how many lyrics do I have to like actually listen to? The po- that's the. <laughs> you don't. It's. It's all vibes. Just, yes, the music is okay. mostly vibes. Okay. You can trace lyrics to events, and you go, "Oh, that's why he said that." But analyzing the lyrics is not going to get you anywhere. You just got to okay. read the comic books, and then okay. you go back and listen to the music and go, "Ah, now I understand." Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, in the meantime, stay wet, gamers. But stay warm in these cold winter months.